Welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cunningham, National Sales Manager for Gill Athletics. Our goal today is to connect you with coaches from around the world to learn their journey, share their stories, and just figure out who they are and what they're all about. So without further ado, let's get on and find out what today's guest has in store for us. All right. Thanks again for joining us here on the Gill Athletics Track and Field Connections podcast. This is, I think this is week three of my Florida series, right? So we just had Amy Deem from the University of Miami. She was a rock star. Uh, then we went a little bit North Florida. We went to Florida State and had Doug Reynolds, the new throws coach there. And now I am just super humbled and honored to have the head coach at Southeastern University. Help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Nick Dodson. Nick, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Well, you know, in podcast time frame, when we're recording this, it's right before Thanksgiving. So I'm super pumped for really football. I don't, you know, I, I eat well, as most people can see and, and know. So I don't really worry about the food, but I am pumped. I love college football. So I'm, I'm really excited for that, man. Uh, but when you're listening to this, it's December. So we're already past Thanksgiving. So uh, <laughs> it's weird, man. Podcast land, when you record, when you publish, you never know what reality it's kind of like the, are, are you a marvel guy by any chance the no but i've seen i've seen a few yeah this is like the multiverse man you never know which wh what reality plane we're on yeah. uh but let's talk about your reality plan man uh, i'm super excited to have you here you've done some really really amazing awesome things here recently and so excited to learn your journey up into this point here at southeastern university and just uh, learn more about you man so um I don't know, Nick, where do we start, man? Where's, uh, where's track start for you? What's, uh, what's your background? Did you, were you a kindergartner in track club or maybe you didn't run at all? Where, where does track start for you? Yeah, it's crazy. I grew up in a small town, Thomasville, Georgia, just north of Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, so I'm an old country boy and, uh, you know, and down in South Georgia, we play football, mm -hmm. you know, that's what, that's what we do down there. And so, um, everything's kind of revolved around football you know stores close early on Friday nights for the game and mm -hmm. you know that type of thing so it's a lot of tradition there um <clears throat> it's crazy I never ran AAU or any of that stuff um coming up I did we played football we did that during the summers I mean I did travel baseball those type of things and so I found myself in track because I was you know just trying to stay in shape for football um and so I would do that in the spring kind of started around the middle school area maybe seventh or eighth grade and it's pretty crazy because I got involved with the hurdles because I was one of the slowest guys on the team. And oh. So, uh, yeah, the 100, the 200, things like that. I mean, I was never going to be one of the guys that had an opportunity to be in the top three or travel or things like that uh, because there was just guys that were much faster than I was, even at a talent level, more talent than I was growing up. Um, and so I just decided to try try the hurdles and, and you know, and, and, and went with it from there. And kind of just moved my way up to to high school and just kind of did it throughout high school. Now, you grew up in South Georgia. I grew up n not too far from you, actually. So I grew up uh, probably on the same plane, but over in Alabama. I grew up in Eufaula, Alabama. Okay. Uh, and, and you're right. Football is, I mean, you don't do another sport if you don't do football, <laughs> pretty much, at least in my era growing up, right? Now, you grew up in South Georgia. Uh, did you, have you recently watched that, I don't know if you have Netflix, that um, uh, that football show about, uh, now I'm losing this, was it Valdosta? Yeah, Title Town. Yeah, Title Town. Did you watch that? Yeah, so you know what's crazy, small world, that you brought that up. My brother helped shot that. 
he he's yeah so he's a videographer he does wow so yeah he was uh a big part of shooting that those scenes in that uh documentary and he also played for rush probes in high school on an all-star team when he coached in georgia so that, so pretty that, cool. that's why I brought it up. That was my football coach in high school in Ufala. Uh, yeah. Coach Probst. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, man. We, we followed him a whole lot, you know, during this journey from, mm-hmm. you know, Hoover and then down to yeah. uh, Colquitt and cause Colquitt is literally our rival uh, to Thomas County. They're oh. our rival. Um, so my brother actually played against Rush in high school. He actually beat him. Um, and then after he graduated, Rush started really get that thing running over there. And then they, they capped off, you know, 30 wins in two years, national championship. And yeah, yeah. Like good stuff. So, yeah, he's a really good football coach. And that's a great distinction. A really good football coach, he's got to clean up the other side. He always yeah. has trouble with that other side. But I tell you what, <laughs> here's what, you know, we like to talk a lot about the positive influence a coach and specifically track coaches can make on someone. Uh, I just have to give this example. If you don't know Rush Probst, like Google, he has his own Wikipedia page, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, infamous would be the right word, right? Would you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So great football coach. Uh, grew up in the Alabama system, coached at Ufala High my senior year, went to um, uh, Bayou Labatry and then Hoover, where he was one of the first like high school level, I guess, um, reality shows, two a days on MTV. Yep. I remember. And got into a bunch of trouble, personal life. Then goes to Georgia, Colquitt County, does a great job. Valdosta does a great job. Gets in trouble at every one of those places as yeah. well, unfortunately. Uh, but, but so he was my senior year football coach. Okay, just just one year. Okay. Uh, and I was a uh, Midland offensive lineman at best. So I started, but I was not any good. There was no me going to college to play mm-hmm. offensive line, right? Uh, so not that I was a star. And we had stars. Like we had a kick butt sophomore quarterback we had two sophomore receivers that ended up going to louisville and oh where'd the other guy go notre dame or or um auburn but super stud guys right so i was yeah. no stud by any chance right played for him one year so i get to gill in 2006 and i go down to uh the birmingham area around 07 when he was at hoover mm-hmm. and i was like oh, i'm just gonna stop in it's like, he ain't going to remember me, but in, you know, the cameras are all, this is during two days. So I'm like, he ain't, you know, so I, so I show up and go to the secretary and I was like, Hey, is coach post around? I'm one of his old athletes. I know he's probably busy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, go down, you know, here, he's probably at the practice fields. And so I go down the hallway and a hundred, I almost said a hundred yards, probably, probably 30, 40, 50 yards. He was, he was a ways away. He's yeah. walking towards me and he sees me. And immediately says, Cunningham, oh, my God, what are you doing here? This is so awesome. That, that, exactly. My jaw hit the ground. I was like, wow, this dude I played one year was not a stud. He is now famous. I mean, he's on MTV. He, you know, Bayou Labatry, he, uh, their defense ha- didn't have anybody scoring them until, I think, the third or fourth round of the playoffs. I mean, so, he, like, big time yeah. coach. And he remembered me. And I tell you what, that – that 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 cemented in my life like oh like this guy like he loves his athletes like i mean he i was no i was a scrub and he remembered me like you know it was just amazing to me amazing he actually you know he's from ohatchee alabama and Hmm. at ohatchee high school my father-in-law went to school with him oh really (laughs) holy cow 
connecting all these dots, man. Uh, who, who knew this was going to be a Rush Probst episode? <laughs> That's so funny. Hey, another thing, getting back to track here, another thing that you said that I thought was kind of uh, interesting uh, so early in the podcast, I love this. Uh, you mentioned you were not one of the fast kids. And so that's how you got into hurdling. Now, we don't talk X's and O's, but as an old hurdle coach here and uh, as myself, uh, that's a no-no, right? Like if you want really good hurt, like they got to have speed, man. But did you, so did you, like when you got into hurdling and you weren't one of the fast kids, did you, did you get faster from doing hurdles and, and how did that, how was your experience doing hurdles? Yeah, yeah I, I did. And I mean, I think a lot of it is too. I actually took the workouts outside of hurdling more serious. That mm. makes sense. And so um, once I had gained some confidence, saw some YouTube videos, things like that, it just kind of, it just started to come. And, and it got better and better and better. And then as we got farther into high school, some of those guys that I couldn't beat in a straight up foot race, I was able to start beating. And so it was just cool. I think a lot of it was to just start to gain some confidence in myself. <laughs> and, uh, and it was crazy because now just those little experiences propel me to where I am today with the sport. Now, I remember my first, like literally my very first hurdles practice. I, I also was one of those slow guys, but you were way more, even, even if you were not one of the fastest guys on your team, you're still way more talented than I was, trust me. But I still remember my first practice because I still think I have, we had one of those, uh, uh, those old tire, the recycled tire tracks. I, yep. I still have a couple pieces of that rubber in my hands and knees. That's, that's how first day of practice went. Do you remember your very first practice for the hurdles? Yeah, I do. And I still remember it was maybe the second or third day. The first day I, I escaped without falling. It was the second or third day I hit the deck. <laughs> so, <laughs> like you um, said, I escaped falling. <laughs> yeah, I escaped falling the first day, but I think I escaped because I didn't do as many reps either. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we started to up the repetitions in the second and third day. So it increased my chances of falling. Do you remember that fall? And more importantly, do you remember like your attitude? Was it like, ah, oh, crap, you know, if I was doing the hundred, there ain't no falling really. Right. Yeah. But in this, like, there's some, there's some danger. Like I could fall. Did it like embolden you of like, Oh, okay. I better get better. Or did it, you know, kind of make you shy about the hurdle? Like, Oh, hold on. I better be careful with this. Yeah. yeah. A little shy, maybe, maybe the first two days after that. But mm -hmm. then I've always been a guy that kind of had a little chip on my shoulder. So I kind of embrace the challenge. Um, I was like, you know, I'm not going to let this defeat me. Um, and I've kind of always had that little chip. And so hmm. I think after that 48 hours, like, okay, I got to figure out what do I need to do better? Uh, whatever it is, I need to figure it out. And so I kind of just embraced it after hmm. about two days and say, you know what, we're going to get this thing figured out and, and let's just keep chipping away at it. And, and make no mistake, the hurdles are the best event Oh, I love track and field. And, and I take all three, by the way. So you got the, the short sprints, right? The, the 110s and the 100 hurdles. Uh, love the 300 and 400 hurdles. They're, they're amazing. Yep. The steeple, to me, the 3000 steeple should be the longest event there is on the track, to be real honest with you. But come on, man, that steeple is an awesome hurdle oh, event is. as well. When it's a good field. When it's a good field, you can literally watch the whole thing and not feel bored at all. Right. It's awesome. That's right. There's action. Exactly. I, I agree. Now, every distance coach that's listening right now is yelling at me, by the way. They're like, no, no, same in the five and same in the 10. Uh, and, and I will say I have seen some pretty awesome 5Ks. I will still to this day say I've not seen. I, I don't know. Wasn't that Galen Rupp and uh, Mo Farah 10K at the Olympics? I think that was a 10K. That was that was kind of cool. I'll, yeah, that was, I'll, okay. I'll, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, so talk to me about hurdles in high school then, man. So you start and you get a little, uh, I'm call it gun shy from, from uh, the second or third day of practice. How'd the rest of high school for the hurdles go? And did you, were you more of a short hurdler or long hurdler? You know, 110s or 300s? Yeah, I did both. So I, I would end up my, I, it started to progress pretty good. I had throughout high school, the first two years, I had the number one um, hurdler in the country in my region in high school. Um, mm -hmm. A guy named Tavares Washington. Um, he ended up signing to Auburn wow. uh, out of high school. So he, he was really, really good. And there was another guy, Ty Akins. Oh, I know who, Ty. <laughs> you know, yeah, Ty Akins. I had to hurdle against him in high school. And he was two years older than me, state champion from Bainbridge High School. There to our rival as well. He went on to Auburn NCAA champion 07 in the 110s. And so I was dealing with those two studs for the first two years, my first two years of high school. It was crazy. And then I had a teammate named Moses Cochran, really, really good. He was always battling Ty. He ended up with state runner up behind Ty in the 300 hurdles. And then he went on to University of Cumberland's Kentucky on a football scholarship. Yeah. I literally had to, I guess you can say, wait my turn. Right. Uh, and so my junior year, I had a really good year. I ended up with six in the state in Georgia in the 300 hurdles. Didn't hey, make that, it. That's a heck of a state now. Let's, yeah, let's not yeah. be fooling here. That's awesome. Yeah, with six. And so I really didn't get a lot of looks. Um, cause I mean, it's a stud state. And so I was only six that year. It was my senior year. I exploded. I ended up winning the state championship in the 300 hurdles. Oh, wow. What, what did yeah. you run? Cause to win the state title in Georgia, you've got to be pretty salty. Yeah. Yeah. I went 38 low. Yeah. Uh, win, and it was crazy. Cause I, I thought that I would have ran faster, but the preliminary days were really good weather final day, not so much. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of us was kind of running under caution, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to make sure that we, you know, don't fall, stay on our feet, et cetera. Right. So, um, I just kind of ran a pretty poised race to uh, try to get through, but yeah, so I ended up getting through and then that's when I started getting some offers, man. It went yeah. to after state meet senior year. So that, that's amazing. I mean, you know, we, we've had Olympians on and, you know, I always tell people, you know, you're an Olympian, like you are 0.0001 of the population. It's really amazing. Yeah. But honestly, all the way down to the state champion, while there's certainly more state champions in track than Olympians, but still you are, that, that's a small club to be in to say, hey, in, in my time period, in my division, in my state, I was the best on that day. I mean, that's bravo man because that's that's pretty stinking awesome hey, this guy never was a state champion so uh, <laughs> i have all reverence for state champs man that's that's really amazing yeah. so as you were obviously getting better that's so awesome that you know you picked up the hurdles and you know fell quickly uh, you know the first week of practice and were a little gun shy and then end your high school career as a state champion who were there any coaches that you know really poured into you in regards to hurdling or track and field yeah, yeah. So my my senior year, well, actually my junior year, I had a coach named Brian Barnhill. Um, he ended up leaving before my senior year, and he's the one that really kind of broke me in when it comes to these are what legit workouts look like. This is what you're going to do in college if you plan on going. My first two years, it, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, you know, track in South Georgia was like a social gathering. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we would go out there, maybe do some light warming up, and we're in and out in an hour. And then Coach Barnhill came around and he started coming out with repeat 450s and 600s and 300 workdowns. And I was like, this dude's lost his mind and I'm about to quit. Like, I mean, I'm just going to go to spring football. You're, you're like, sir, this is not how we do track down here. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, this guy's crazy. Uh, but he is the one that really showed me this is what it will be like if you plan to do it at the next level and that you need to take it seriously. Well, then, you know, he ended up leaving, got another job as a football coach. Uh, somewhere else and so my senior year 
uh, there was a coach named David Johnson. He was always there. He ran at West Georgia back in the days. Mm-hmm. He was a really good little 800 meter runner. Um, and he kind of just, you know, he stayed back in the shadows a little bit my junior year because he wasn't like the head coach or anything. And he didn't want to overstep any boundaries. Well, we end up, they had co-head coaches my senior year with the pole vault coach and coach Johnson. So he felt he had a little bit more power, a little bit more comfort level. So he really took me under his wing and said, look, this is what it's going to be like. And I mean, I mean, we were under very strategic things that we did hurdling everything, stuff that I had never done before. And I was like, man, my, that first meet of my senior year, I destroyed my lifetime best. I think I went like 38, six in the three in the hurdles. I went 14, two. And I'm like, what's going on? I've never touched these times. Uh-huh. And so, and then he was like, it's been the training, what you've been doing and the stuff that he put together. And then by the time my senior year, I mean, at the end of my senior year, I ended up running like 14-0 and went 38-0. And I'm telling you, I was running 42s as a sophomore in the 300 hurdles. Wow. Yeah, and so it was like the, the progression was there. And I really started to understand the sport where in the first three years, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I just thought you just go out there, you sprint, you go home. Mm-hmm. And so he really kind of taught me that. So David Johnson, Brian Barnhill were two huge ones uh, for me in, in the sport and kind of helped me propel. That's awesome, man. Shout out to them, man. I love coaches that make impact positives, man. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Were you also running on your 4 by 4 team at any point? Yeah, I mean, I always just try to dodge the 4 by 4s But <laughs> senior year, my senior year, you know, I, my, uh, Coach Johnson was like, look, there's no way you're going to be one of the best hurdlers in the state especially a three and a hurdle and you're not on a four by four, it makes zero sense. And I was like, I don't know why, why, why does that make zero sense? <laughs> you know, you know, me not understanding the sport, why do I got to run on this? You know, he's like, you're the best hurdlers in, in the, in the state. There's no way you're not on a four by So I end up being on both relays. And, um, and like I said, they really helped change my mindset and put me where I started to become more of a team player, even in an individual sport, because they were saying the individual performances is what makes the team. Mm-hmm. And so and once I kind of just understood and instilled those things in my mindset, it really helped me propel so that I was at my best and helped put my team in a better position as well. That's awesome. I love how you're like, uh, it makes perfect sense to me that I don't run on the four by four. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> Let me just hit the sticks and I'm good over here. It's awesome. So, you know, you're, you're, growing as a hurdler you become a state champion senior year you're starting to think about colleges not only regardless of whether you run track or not but just you know maybe the next step of education etc at at this point as you're looking for colleges and you're improving so maybe more people are starting to talk to you in regards to scholarships and such like that where are you in your mindset for education in regards to like a major a job What, what are you thinking back as a you know 18 year old 17 year old senior yeah, so when I was in high school, I was always in mass communication class, um, and so I kind of made my own little highlight tapes and stuff. This is before Huddle was around. You know, we were making highlight tapes on VCS, wow. VHSs, and so you know, I kind of learned how to do that stuff. And so, and I was always comfortable with being in front of the camera. So my goal was always become a sports journalist. Hmm. Uh, and even to this day, if I ever decide to, you know, stop coaching, that is something I will go into because my my comfort in front of the camera, but also covering all sports. Is something that I'd you know love to be able to do, and so I kind of already had that in my mind what I wanted to do as far as a career, and so luckily I was doing it in high school, and so it's cool we had like the number one tailgate show in the state of Georgia. Uh, wow. We, I mean, you ought to see our editing room at my high school at Thomas County Central High School. There's no one in the state can match it. 
Wow. They, they literally have everything. It literally looks like you're in a newsroom. Huh. Uh, we had our own show called News for You that we would, you know, that were shot by students that would be, um, you know, that they would put on the TVs during like mm-hmm. uh, channel one time or homeroom time. And so they would cover like sports or things that's going on around the school. So I kind of already had that mindset. So when I got to college, I was able, to, I kind of knew what I wanted to major in. That's really cool, man. I, I like that they had that opportunity at the school for you as well. Not just a dream of like, I want to be yeah. on ESPN one day because I see it on TV. Like, oh, I actually get to run my own ESPN at my high school. Yeah, most definitely. W- was coaching at all in your mind at this point in high school? Or was it just like, hey, I love track and I love sports. So that's the avenue I'll take. Yeah, yeah, not at all. I mean, coaching didn't come into my brain until way later in life. So what did you end up doing for college? What, what you got all these coaches barking at you? What, what, how did you choose where you went and where'd you go? Well, you know, what's crazy is for football, because I was a pretty good football player, all region player, you know, I did well, but I knew I probably wouldn't go to school for that probably, you know, going to be undersized. Um, especially during that time, you know, we're in the South, they weren't going to look at me, you know, as far as my sides and stuff, I had speed though. But, um, so I was like, you know, what can I do? Well, my first goal was I wanted to leave high school as a state champion. I don't know how I'm going to do it. We were state runner-ups in football. Um, in 2002, we went back to the Georgia dome the next year we lost in the semis. Mm -hmm. Then we had a really good year, my senior year, but we just never got over the hump to win the state championship. Um, but I said, I wanted to win before I left. Well, God blessed me with that opportunity. I ended up winning in track. What's crazy is I literally had maybe three or four schools that were looking at me. I had one offer. Wow. Really? What, it, you said this is around Oh two. What, what year is this roughly? So, so I graduated 2006 was my senior year. Okay, so I, legit wow. had one, I had like one offer and I said, damn, you ain't got much to choose from. You know, I had like Kennesaw State was looking at me at one point. Um, UGA was looking at me at one point, but this is, you know, before the Petros era and all of them, mm-hmm. you know, um, and now, you know, now Carol's there, but yeah, that was way before their era. And and then a little shorter university came out of nowhere. Uh, I saw the coach at the state meet and the guy told my parents, he said, look, he's, he's actually my mentor named Scott Bird. I was gonna say, was that he Scott was like, Bird back then? Yeah. And so he was like, yeah, I'm starting the program from scratch. And he said, I want you to be our first signee. We're going to build the program around you. I thought the guy was crazy. (laughs) I literally thought the guy was crazy. I said, me? I mean, I mean, yeah, I I won a state championship, you know, today, because I met the guy today that I won, but he said he had been watching me for, and he had to have, because when he approached, you know, my parents and I, dude had all the information on me. He knew about as much about me as, as I knew about myself. And I'm like, all right, this is a little bit scary. And so, uh, but he, he, you know, he made it clear that he wanted to start a program. This is what his goals were. This is where he was planning to take the program. And, you know, he said he couldn't guarantee anything, but this, the guy told me this and I'm not lying. He said, you guys, you come in, we build this thing around you. We're going to put some really good athletes in there. We're going to win a national championship in five years. Team title. Wow. Right. Remind you, we don't even got a shirt with our name on it. All right. Like he was dead serious. And so I told my dad when we left, I said, man, I love this guy's energy, but he's crazy. Like there, I don't, I don't see it happening, but he stuck to it. And, you know, we'll, we'll get deeper into that, but exactly what happened. And you, you grew up in Georgia and you grew up in a time we're talking 06 now, 
so internet is is available everywhere at that point. Um, it's funny. So 06 would have been, that's actually when I started at Gil. So that'd have been 15 years ago. So this is still pre-iPhone though. You know, iPhone's only been around 13 years, which is crazy, right? Uh, yeah. But it's still pre-iPhone. So pre kind of smartphone-ish, but still internet. Had you heard of short, but they didn't even have a track team. So maybe you didn't even really know about them. No, no what's crazy is I did get a letter from Shorter at one point, and it's because they had just started football the year prior. And so Coach Phil Jones was there. He started the program, and I, I, I received a letter, but I'm not sure. I can't remember if it was for football or just, you know, one of those general letters you would get in the mail. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't know. I didn't even know where they were, where they were located. You know, we, my mm-hmm. parents and I had to look it up. Now, I had been to Rome before because I was a wrestler in high school. Mm-hmm. And so we wrestled um, – in Rome for one of our state championships. Um, and so I had been there before, but didn't know Barry College was there, didn't know Shorter University, didn't know anything about that. Um, and at the time when I enrolled at Shorter, it was Shorter College. They transitioned to university during my time there. I think mm-hmm. it started my junior, I think my junior year. And so, um, yeah, I had no clue, <laughs> no clue. But what's crazy is I had one offer and it was from them. That's amazing. You know, uh, I went to the greatest university in the world, Troy University, and we recruit Georgia <laughs> a lot. I'm really yep. disappointed in our now former coaches. Maybe this is why they're the former coaches that they did not recruit you at Troy University. I'm very, uh, very disappointed in my my alma mater there. I, I won that meet the Coach O invitation at Troy my senior year. See, I, you, I, I won that meet the four hurdles. You got to run on heaven on earth. I know it's yeah. uh, an amazing place. So when you ran. It was it, it the track wasn't in the football field uh, when you ran right. No, it was yeah yeah. See when I was there, the track was in the football stadium, uh, so it was much cooler. <laughs> Although the new facility is awesome too because it's dedicated to just track yeah. and soccer and all that. But um, yeah, cool. So uh, you go to shorter. Yep. Yeah, shorter. Uh, not Seahawks. What's their mascot? I should know this. Oh. Hawks. Shorter University Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I, I said so I was thinking C I knew it wasn't Seahawks. So you yeah. go to Shorter. Did, did you run with Nigel Talton? I did. Yeah. He was a the wedding. Oh, oh, oh not, yeah. No oh. way. Yeah, small world, man. Oh man. So if you don't know Nigel Talton, he, first of all, former guest on the Gill Connections podcast, he is also known as the freeze for the Atlanta Braves. So if you see that guy, he, you know, his clips have gone mega yep. viral he's the guy that races people in the uh outfield and beats them like every time he's really stinking fast man uh that's so cool that you had nigel as a team and he was your groomsman say again I knew, I knew freeze before freeze i tell people all the time i was like yeah you know guys groomsman went one of my best friends he uh he's from peach county fort valley georgia and uh i used to get we, and went on my way down to South Georgia, I used to drop him off at the house because I got to pass the exit, you know. And so That's it was just so cool. pretty cool to kind of see, you know, his transition and where God took him. And yeah. man, it, it's really awesome. And dude's a star, man. He's awesome, man. He's a good dude. I love him. That's so cool. What is, I love small world. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. And he went to shorter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. So what, Um. so did you go there to shorter? Did you study communications or sports journalism? What, what did you end up studying? Yeah, so I had I, I ended up graduating with my degree in media studies and a minor in journalism. Yeah. So um, and it went great. Uh, it was a great program. Um, I really learned a lot. I, I had the opportunity to do an internship at the Rome News Tribune, mm. uh, which is the newspaper there. And what was cool was I didn't really have to write. They wanted me to cover high school football. So I was actually able to be on the sidelines and kind of get footage of some of the games. So they'll send you to a couple games. We come in late that night, edit everything up 
because they would do like a show um, as well um, right. through through the uh, newspaper. So everything wasn't just about writing. Right. Um, but, but I did do some writing. So they kind of gave me the experience of learning all of the things that were involved with sports coverage, especially high school sports in the area. So it was a really cool experience for me. That is cool. Did you specialize on the track side? A lot of times when we go to college and we're, you know, a dual hurdler in high school, we specialize one way or the other short hurdles or long hurdles. Did you specialize in one or the other and, or, and how did it go overall? Yeah, well, you know, I was a really good high hurdler, man. I, I went 13, nine high school. So I was like, okay, you know, I mean, I, I should be able to, and I, you know, and it was all part of that one year wonder, you know, my senior year, that's when everything kind of happened. Um, and I got to college, man, and I was like, dude, these hurdles are a little too high for me. <laughs> I said, look, you know, and I tried everything. I had really good technique, but man, I was just killing my ankle. I was just banging it out, man. And it was like, Coach Burr was like, look, dude, you know, I think you're going to be a better intermediate hurdler anyways. Why don't we just go there full time? And I'm like, dude, man, it's 400 hurdles, man. See, I could sprint the 300 hurdles all the way around. Yep. Now, that may not been the best option of race strategy when in high school, but I was able to do it. <laughs> you can't do that to four hurdles unless you want to die. And so, uh, but yeah, he, he said, look, I have all the tools needed to get you where you need to go. The question is, are you going to be coachable? Are you going to listen? And he said, if you do, you'll win that championship. It's very simple. I was like, man, this guy is right. And he's straight to the point. Never had a coach like it. He was directly to the point. Hmm. I said, you know what? That was a good question. Am I going to buy in or not? And so I did. And so I ended up going to 400 hurdles full time and it, it started to get easier and easier. I found it where it became easier than the three in the hurdles, to be honest, hmm. um, which is might sound crazy, but I think it's also too, I had a really good coach that understood the event, but he also, I was able to train from August all the way through May. Mm. Never had the opportunity to do those things, you know, when you're in high school and you're playing two other sports. Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that made a, a big difference. Did you have any kind of like one eye over to the football team? Like, man, maybe I should be playing football too while you're at Shorter? Well, you know, what's crazy. I played my very first year. I did. Oh, I played, wow. I played uh, started a few games. I mean, I, I got in about every game. I was, you know, legit true freshman and, uh, I went out there and turned some heads pretty quick. And, and Coach Bird said he would give me that opportunity. But he always said that track was going to be my top sport. But he gave me the opportunity. I'm sure he held his breath that I didn't get hurt yeah. as well. But that first year, um, scored a few touchdowns. Because um, Short had a really good team. We knocked off some nationally ranked teams like Bethel, Tennessee, and uh, Lambeth when they, when they had Lambeth in Mississippi. And so mm -hmm. we, we played – we played really good. Matter of fact, I played against uh, Hugh Freeze when he coached at Lambeth. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's just a lot of small worlds, man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And so after that first year, though, we did well. But I end up during the track season was national runner up at my first year at Shorter as a freshman. And so Coach Bird said, look, you won't put a pair of cleats on ever again. Wow. So, straight up. so you were runner up your freshman year in the 400 hurdles did that exceed your expectations? And, and I mean, like being real expectations, like we always, uh, any athlete worth their salt, right. Wants to be the MVP of their basketball, the state champ. And some of us just don't have the ability or at least the ability in that year, right? Like freshman year, you join track and field and you're like, I'm going to win the national championships. Like, Hey, okay, kid, maybe by junior, senior year, but you know, just don't discount the other guy, good guys are out there. Yeah. Did that runner up like, exceed your expectations or were you pointing towards like oh no no i saw what the mark took last year 
my first meet out the gate, I hit real close to it or what, you know what I'm saying? Like talk to me about that feeling of like the expectation side of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be straight up honest that very first year, my goal was to, you know, not go back home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like we had so many great athletes come from my hometown. Uh, We had some that were really, really good that just didn't maybe do what they were supposed to academically or found themselves in some sort of trouble outside of the field or Mm -hmm. track. And, you know, we, we got some legends in my town, Charlie Ward Jr. Being one of them has me trophy winner, 1993, went Mm -hmm. to my high school, Florida state, Mm -hmm. but we've had a lot of talent come out of there that didn't do anything with their talent. Mm -hmm. And my first year up there, I said, look, I won't be headed home. I'm going to stay my butt out of trouble. I'm going to do my schoolwork. I'm going to make my family proud. I didn't pay no attention about, I was just hoping that this, I do the best that I can. So that this coach will keep me around. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know where you even look up the times on the internet. (laughs) Like I really didn't. Like I'd literally, someone had to show me like where you can find this stuff. So my very first meet, an outdoor season that year. Now, I remind you, I didn't do any fall training. Right. I was a hurdle. I played football the whole time. And so my very first meet, I still remember, I won at the Emory Invitational in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I ran 53.84. The national qualifying A standard was 53.90. Yeah. Was Mike, when I tell you it was, it, it I've never hurt so bad. <laughs> I, I told this guy, he said, yeah, you just hit the standard. What? <laughs> I've, I literally felt like I won the national championship. That's how bad it hurt. And it was like, because, you know, I didn't do any fall training. He said, no, I'm telling you, dude, you, you, you literally, you stay on top of this training. We're going to have to discuss some things. Cause if he said, if I would have did fall training, I would have definitely opened up much, much faster. Yeah. And so, and then what's crazy is I opened up 53, 84, one, it felt so bad. <laughs> I ended the year 51, 26 and national runner up. Wow. So it was like, it was that stretch there, but I never expected any of that. Like my mindset literally was just do what I can to make sure that this guy is happy. So mm-hmm. I can keep my scholarship and I got to come back home with a degree. My mm-hmm. parents told me, you make sure when you get there, you do not come back unless it's breaks, mm-hmm. you know, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever it is. And so, yeah, my first year, I had no expectations. I ended up winning the Mid-South Conference in the 400 hurdles that first year. And then I was national runner up. And the, the rest is history. You know, it's pretty crazy how all of that, you know, how, how all of that happened. That, that's amazing. I mean, I can't imagine, especially in, the, in a 400 hurdles event, which is tough, right? Like in, anything that changes from high school to college, meaning 300 to 400 hurdles, the 12 pound shot to the 16 pound shot, like those are just unexpected you know the, the kid who's a distance runner becomes a steepler and colleague exactly. like you have like almost no expectations right because you're like man it's a brand new event i know the 300 sounds like the 400 hurdles but it's a brand new event right uh and i love your attitude about you know we, we call those guys and gals who go who are big time studs and then go to college and then quickly come back and you know they didn't do the right things academically and socially call those hometown heroes <laughs> uh that they need to go somewhere else and be heroes right you got to go on and, and get your degree so talk to me about the rest of of college and when if at all did things in your head start changing to like oh like i could actually be a coach for a living when and where if at all like i said during your college career did that occur yeah so you know after that first year we saw the success my college coach was like look you're not putting a pair it's on ever again um because he said you have a future he said i believe that you can make it to the next level if you know you continue to work your butt off you know do these things i, I feel like you can really do it 
And so, you know, after that, I decided that, okay, I'm going to really take this seriously. I'm going to try to eat the best I can, try to make sure I get, stay on top of my rehab. Like these are things that I was learning that I didn't do in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, like really how to be a full-time track athlete on and off the track. Um, so after their first year, I won the Mid-South National Runner-Up. I went on to be be a three-time national runner-up. So I never never lost in any preliminary rounds or anything. I lost to, for the first three years, I got edged at the line all three times by the Guatemalan Olympian named Alan Ayala, a really good friend of mine. He went to Dickinson State. He was an Olympian for Guatemala. Um, and so I lost three times to him in some close dog fights. Like I was running 50.8 and losing. Oh. Yeah, yeah I ran 50.8 and lost. And so – you know, and, and what's crazy is I've in the NAIA national championships since 2011, I won in 2011. No one has ran a faster time than I have all the way up to right now. No one still has ran faster than I have. Wow. So it just goes to show you the level of talent, not just mm-hmm. me, but what was in the field that mm-hmm. we were going against. And remind you, we were doing three rounds then. Mm-hmm. They don't do three rounds anymore. Wow. We were running all three days. Oof. And so we did those and... Except I, I ran 50.8 and lost. I mean, there's been years where 52 is one. Right. You know, and so and it is no knock on those athletes. It just right. shows you the amount of studs that we had in those fields and, and what it took. Well, I ended up, you know, winning four Mid-South Conference championships in the four hurdles. I was the first athlete to ever do that. And I thought that was a pretty cool honor. The yeah. guy that I beat my first year when I won the Mid-South, really good hurdler. He was going for his third consecutive. He's from University of Cumberland. He's a really good guy. And um, I think he really underestimated me the first year. Um, like, I'm sure he saw my name on the performance list. He was like, I had a freshman. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the guy's going for his third straight. And I, I, I hammered him pretty good in the finals. <laughs> but I watched some film on him, too. So this is where I really started to get deep into, all right, I need to know who my competitors are. I need to know what I need to do to make sure. So, you know, I YouTube the guy. I found him. So I looked at like five or six of his races kind of see what he likes to do mm-hmm. how he likes to get out and he did exactly what i thought he would do against me so i took him out hard took him with me he died mm-hmm. because i knew where i was gonna kind of lay off the gas and he didn't know sort of like a receiver running a route mm-hmm. the receiver knows where he's going the corner doesn't mm-hmm. and so it was kind of that mindset but he was a really good guy so i ended his streak and i found myself at my senior year i'm like man you know a lot of articles coming out I can become the first four time to ever do it can never be beat only can be matched. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hopefully no one comes around. I do what I did to the other guy about three (laughs) years ago. (laughs) You know, you know, you're worried about that. And it's crazy because it, it, it could have happened. I had a guy by one of my teammates because Bird brought a stud in to prepare for my departure. Uh Good. He was a state champion from Clark central up in Athens. Mm -hmm. And he came in, the guy was good. He ran 52 10 and I beat him. But it was no playing around. Like, yeah. God, when, really beat me. when you get to that level, the only thing you can do is look over your shoulder, like, all right, who's coming? <laughs> who's going to knock me off here? <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. So, yeah, no, it, I mean, that's what propelled that to that. And so, after my senior year, I ended up winning the national championship. I got over the hump after three runner ups, uh, win the national championship. And so, I was trying to decide on what I wanted to do. Um, had some opportunities to maybe run professionally a little bit, no major contracts or nothing like that. Just an opportunity to be able to do it, get some maybe apparel sponsorship, et cetera. And I did it for just a little bit afterwards. Uh, Coach Bird coached me and I just didn't find the love for it still. Mm-hmm. I, it showed me how much I love the team atmosphere. Mm-hmm. 
It was so much different just being with the coach. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's for some people and it's, and it's not for some people. And it just wasn't for me. Like being out there with my teammates, seeing them all working hard and knowing that we get to travel together to the competitions and things like that. That's what excited me. And I didn't realize how much that excited me until it was over with. You know, I have a theory why you make great points right there. That's really, I think, important. We don't talk about it a lot. And it it involves a coaching as well, not just athletically as as an athlete. But, you know, you'll see kids, you may have had some through your coaching career that let's use the quarter as an example, maybe uh, in the open quarter, they can, they run 50 flat, 50 point all the time, right? And then they get on a relay and a legit relay split, not some of these, uh, you know, crazy relay splits, but like a legit leadoff split, 48 point. It's, it's like, man, why can't you just do that in the open? Exactly. Well, in the open, you're running for self, even though you get shorter on your jersey and you're running for team points, et cetera. But there's nothing like a relay where it's like, oh, I have to hand off to a teammate or I have to get the baton from a teammate. And you see some like crazy, even through the four by eights and DMRs, you see some crazy splits because you're running for someone else. Exactly. And I think that same thing that you just said there about when I was on the shorter team running the 400 hurdle, hurdles, it was about scoring points for the team, winning the Mid-South Conference, scoring points in NEIA, trying to get a team title there, win a trophy there. Now running post-collegiately, well, it's just me. Like, who, yeah. like it almost doesn't matter how good I do. Like it ain't gonna, it, it's not gonna affect anybody else. Exactly. That's, I, I think probably the better, this is just a theory. Uh, the better track athletes that we have, like elite wide, like going to Olympics and stuff like that. I wonder if their mindset, if, if they were really to probe, it was like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's my life to run for that flag for that team USA. Yeah. Or if they're part of a group, man, it's, you know, that guy pushes me and that's my teammate. And if I don't push him, then, then they don't get like, you know, they, they create their own team, like, oh, I'm doing it for so-and-so or my coach, or uh, maybe it's even the family, right? Like, oh, if I don't run fast, I don't eat and my family doesn't eat, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I, it, it, we talk about it being an individual sport, but I think having that team is the most important part about it. it. That's interesting how you, you kind of came across that as you took the next step and were like, wow, this, this ain't as much fun, to be honest with you. <laughs> and it's crazy that you know, you kind of mentioned that because that's why I, I went so hard to try to represent the NAI and I did qualify for the Olympic trials. And, and there's not a lot of NAI athletes that, right. that do that each year um, and nothing against the NAI at all. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. we have just as much talent, I believe, as any other division. You go look at our winning times and performances, it shows. The mm-hmm. only difference is some of the other divisions have a bigger bulk of those winners. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's and right. So, you know, you take our top dogs out of ours against any other top dogs and we're competitive. Yep. They just have a bigger bulk a lot of the times. I, w- so- I wish they did. Like, you know how some states have media champs, so they take the, you know, 1A through 5A and take all the way. Cool. I wish we did that in collegiate. I know we you can say the, you know, U.S. champs or whatever, but that excludes our international athletes and it's a different level. I yeah. wish they would take all the NEIA juke of your collegiate, if you're freshman through senior, one meet, just the top eight, just do like the, uh, like Texas state meet, man, just one heat of the 400 hurdles for men, one for the women, 100, you know, relays, and let's just put it out. That would be awesome. Right. Yeah. Like cool. I'd, I'd pay for that meet, man. Let me tell you what, I'd love to see it. Wait, so it's crazy to touch on one thing that you had just said, and it was uh-huh. crazy because it's like, you were literally walking into a lot of the stuff we said. So we talked about, you know, the team atmosphere and how it wasn't the same. And you used the relay analogy. Let me tell you how cool it was, how we won our first NAIA team national championship at Shorter. Oh, you did win. I meant to ask about that. Yeah. That's awesome. So we, did. Yeah. We, won, 
We won the indoor and the outdoor title in five years, just like he said. Wow. Scott Bird. It was absolutely insane. We looked around. And so we were in indoors. Now, a lot of people don't know Paul Chalimo, the Olympic silver medalist Mm -hmm. for the United States. That was my college teammate. He ran for short. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. Guy was an absolute animal. Like we knew he was going to be something serious, running 14s in a 5K. Like this guy's unreal. And so he dominated for us. So it came down to the four by four. Okay. We had some injuries. All right. And we needed to place a certain spot in the four by four to clinch the team title. Now, remind you, Nigel Talton freeze was not 400 meter runner he was a sprinter but we had some injuries during the year and we had to put him in Mm -hmm. he was our third leg he was going to bring me to stick so coach bird had already figured out the numbers he brought he he came in put his arm around me you know before we even went to go warm up and he said look i told you that we're going to start this program with you and i told you we're going to win a national championship in five years it now sits in your hands and i'm sitting there like what like, I, because I haven't paid attention to the scoreboard. I'm just thinking we're going to run a four by four like we normally do. I literally haven't paid attention to the scoreboard, you know, like where we're placed at. Coach Bird said, look, Chalimo's went out there. He just did what he needed to do. He has now put us in position. He said, we have, we have to place no worse than fourth in the four by four. And we have to finish no worse than one spot behind Wayland Baptist. Oh, hey, there's a storied program. Okay. Yeah. They're good. That's a tall task. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very tall task. I mean, you said Waylon. We're like, all right, they're the mm-hmm. real deal. Right. I mean, we're, we're down a leg. Like, we have Nigel in, and nothing against Nigel. This was in Nigel's young time. But we had to place him a 100-meter runner in that hadn't done any of this stuff with us. The moment, you know, can be too big. It's a lot. Sure, absolutely. Now, Nigel held his ground, did great. Um, but when I got the stick, because of our first two legs, we just did okay. I had a stick in seventh place. He's telling me we got to be in fourth. Were you third leg? Yeah, I was the anchor. Your anchor. Okay. All right. All right. Nigel was the third. So Nigel okay. Okay. actually brought us up a spot. We were actually in last. Yeah. And Nigel brought us up a spot to seventh, but I still got to stick in seventh. So you got to pass three teams at least, and you got to keep your eye on Waylon because yeah, even if you're in fourth, you got to be in second if they're leading. Absolutely. Yeah. I told um, Coach Bird told me, he said, look, it's in your hands right now. And I told you it would come down to this one day. I didn't know when and look how it's drawn up. He said, I need you to step up more. I still remember to this day what he told me. I, I need you to step up more than ever and you find a way. Don't come back over here unless you found a way. Exactly what he told me. And he walked off. There was nothing else he, there was nothing else he needed to tell me. I just said, continue my warm up, I guess. So I'm sitting there nervous, but confident, but nervous. Nigel brings me the stick. And all I did was I can see Waylon turning the corner they're already headed around a corner and we're now we're running in Geneva, Ohio at Spire. Hmm. That's where it was. And so I saw them turning the corner and I said, you know what? Just pick them off one at a time, just a little at a time. Don't go try to go get everybody early. We came on the home stretch. I passed the remaining two and I found Wayland and they literally finished third. We finished, finished fourth national champions. Wow. It was crazy. Like I could have never like wow screwed that up in a million years that it would go that way, and and it wasn't about me, but it was the fact that I was the first signee of the program. And Coach Bird told me one day that team title will come down to where they're gonna he's gonna have to ask me that the person he wanted to to go with to to start the program on the men's side it would come down to me, and he was confident in me taking the stick for him. 
what, what a, you know, we talk about stories, right? You know, if you build it, they will come baseball stories, football stories, Rudy, et cetera. What an amazing story from literally the beginning till the payoff. What was it like? So you had your instructions, you knew what was on the line. You, did you know that you accomplished it when you hit the finish line? Like, did you actually know like, oh, okay. Cause you know, sometimes you get lost on what place I'm in, but Wayland's there. D did you know that you accomplished the goal? And then if you did, or when you found out like, yep, you did it, we won. What was the payoff like? Yeah. Yeah. I knew we had won only because he told me what I needed to do. Okay. So you yeah. knew where you were in the race and like you, you, okay. So you cross yeah. that finish line, you've done it. Not only did you, you know, you made another all American, right. Cause you, you know, the four by four was third uh, or fourth. Um, but you win the team title. I mean, that's, you know, we talked about winning a state title. That's a, a small, small club winning a collegiate national title individually or as a team rare of rare here. What was it like? What, what went through your mind? What endorphins kicked in when man. you, when you, when you passed that finish line? It was so unbelievable, man. All I could do is just go find my teammates. Cause I knew what we all put in mm. like all those long days and those early mornings and those days that it was really cold in Rome and coach bird has us doing long runs at 6 AM. <laughs> you just think about all of those things that, that we went through throughout the year, whether it was injuries or whether it was trying to help a teammate during, you know, study and find some good study habits because we know we're going to need them to be eligible. It was just a lot of that was running through my head. And, and it, I really, for the first 15, 20 minutes, I was so gassed and tired, but those things were running through my head. Like, I can't believe it. Like we really did it. And remind you, the teams that we beat to win, this is when the NAI was an absolute powerhouse. Mm. This is when Azusa Pacific was in. This is mm. when Oklahoma Baptist was in. This is mm -hmm. when uh, Simon Frazier was in. Mm. This is when a lot of the big dogs that have now moved to Division II, and nothing is NAI now. Mm. This is when you saw some of the ones that are dominating in Division II now. Mm -hmm. This is when they were in, and this is how we ended up going wow. out and winning the indoor title. And it was just like we wanted to do it for Coach Bird because he believed in us. He signed yeah. a bunch of kids that nobody wanted. We were a bunch of kids that nobody wanted, right. and 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 we wanted to do it for him and the staff, and 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 that's what the things that kind of ran through my head was. <laughs> we made it happen for a guy and a staff that said, you know what, everybody else says you're not good enough, but you're good enough to be here. Man, we should just stop right here. What a great podcast just on the athleticism of you, Nick, man. I mean, and just the the goal setting and goal accomplishing, man. Holy cow. Yeah. That's amazing. That, that, like I said, that's a, that's a Rudy story. That's a field of dream story. That is amazing. Uh, and shout out to Scott bird. I've known Scott for a long time. I didn't know that story though. That is so amazing. That's awesome. He'll, he'll tell you, man, he's golly. The guy, he's one of the most confident guys I've ever been around. The guy never seems to be nervous. Like he literally told me that and he walked off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love like, it. He didn't care. It's just, you know, he was confident, but he would always say that I'm confident in what the product that we're putting out there. Mm. I'm confident because I know what you guys have put in. And so he said, there's not, not much more talking need to be done. That's awesome. So, and then, you know, we went and win the outdoor title and, and, and we dominated there and it, we, we, but we wanted to, we wanted to let everyone in NAI know that that was not a fluke. Mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. it, it really developed more of a chip on our shoulders that we're going to win this indoor outdoor title because we want we, we want everybody to know this wasn't luck mm -hmm. that we're really that good mm -hmm. if we put it all together you know so 
So let's start transitioning over what an amazing athletic, not only career, like your individual stats, but you know, the, the championships, like that to me is what we really remember when we look back 10, 20, 30 years from now. Right. So let's start transitioning to your coaching career. You said you started running, uh, you kept running a little bit after graduation, but kind of, you know, wasn't the, the same flavor as when you were a shorter Hawk. Uh, when did coaching start coming into your life? Yeah. So after my senior year, all, all of that glory that happened, it was awesome. And like I said, I was going to, I was thinking about and did do a little bit of training, you know, afterwards. It just wasn't for me. I just, I, I didn't enjoy the atmosphere. I enjoyed the team setting more. Um, and so I was talking to Coach Bird and asked him what, what, what his thoughts were, you know, because I don't want to go sit in the office and write articles right now. Like, I just don't want to do that. Like, I want to be involved in that career one day, but not right now. I still got a little fire about me. And he said, you know what, man, you were a team captain for us. You're a great leader. He said, you ever thought about coaching? And I said, no, not really, you know, and he said, you know, you know, the sport a little bit better than you think, but it's a lot more you need to learn about the sport and, you know, how we put workouts together, the scientific part. Mm -hmm. He said, oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you go and get your level one? All right. I'm, I'll get you signed up. Go get your USA track and field level one, kind of learn about the sport and then kind of decide if this is something that you may want to do. And so I did. I went down to Georgia State and then in 2011, I went and got my USA Track and Field Level 1 certification. I was like, man, I didn't really know it was this much involved. And that's just for X's and O's. Do you remember who your teachers were? I want to say, because I had Lauren Seagrave twice. Yeah, yeah. I want to say Lauren Seagrave was for Level 1. Yep. He definitely was for my Level 2 and when I did Emerging Elite. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to say it was Seagrave and um, and old Charles. I want to say Charles was one of them too. Okay, but yeah, it was it was back in 2011. Yeah, too, a so. long time ago. And, and it's such a you know that it's 22 or 24 hours of instruction, and it feels like it's in 24 hours. <laughs> They're long days, man. <laughs> so I I, did, I went and got that, and I yeah. said, yeah, I maybe I take Coach Bird up on this. So this is a pretty cool stat, and I tell all of my student athletes all the time. So I just started emailing coaches. I've never been a GA. I've never been a high school coach, never been a volunteer coach, never been a rec coach, nothing. I just started emailing coaches. It's crazy, Mike. I emailed 452 people. Now, I'm big on that. I love this hustle, and I love direct communication. And if you tell me the truth, and if you tell me the wrong answer, I'm going to get on to you. When you emailed 400 coaches, did you email them individually or did you, I'm going to call it blind carbon copy, 400 coaches, hey, this is me, blah, blah, blah. I promise on everything, I emailed them all individually. That's my man right there. That's That to me is real hustle right there. You know, I hear about, you know, in the sales world and business world, people are like, yeah, I emailed a thousand coaches and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, that's cool, man. Did, you just did one email? They're like, yeah, time efficiency. And it's like, yeah, man, it's certainly more efficient. It's much quicker. But personalization, relationship, actually, you know, hitting it right on the head. When I do, every once in a while, I'll do a, a mass emailing like that, right? It's yeah. rare for me to do it, though. I'm a, I, I will send out. If, if anybody, I know some people right now know other things that I've done individually, and I don't, this ain't about me. But uh, when I do do a mass email, I'll put on there, hey, I'm so sorry. This is one of those. Like, I just like yeah. point out like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. I wanted to get a big message out. As, as many people as possible. I'm so sorry. I hate this. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. man. You email yeah. each coach individually. And so what did you say to these coaches? 
I just pretty much, and the reason why they were all individually and not a blind copy, because I would go read the bios on these particular head coaches. And if I felt that there was a doc connector there that maybe they may know something about me or something, I was able to add that in those emails. A blind copy wasn't going to allow me to do that. And so I just kind of just said, you know, this is where, this is my name. This is where I'm from. This is what I accomplished as an athlete. This is the school I went to, Coach Scott Bird. I kind of used him to my advantage because a lot of people knew him. He's my mentor, my head coach. And I want to get into coaching, whether it's a graduate assistant or assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And I promise on everything, man, I got one reply out mm-hmm. of four. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Reply. And, and you can't blame the guys. I mean, I get, I get some of these emails too at times and I didn't have any experience, things like that. So mm-hmm. I get I'm not a fan of someone who doesn't reply, yeah. but to your point, I get it a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No, no judgment. Right. Like I, I feel like like you should, if you are a coach and someone, a young kid reaches out to you for help, blah, blah, blah because it helped me like, I, you know, go yeah. back and listen to, we had mouse Holloway on the show uh, last year, season one, I think it was. And mm-hmm. one of the stories I remember with him, that's mouse Holloway, right. Is when I was a young high school coach, he had just gotten a job in Florida and I reached out to him. This is back in the, uh, aim AOL instant messenger yeah, days. And yeah. somehow, somehow, I don't know how, did we have everybody? I don't know. I don't know how I had his, uh, instant message, but I, I instant messaged him, but, you know, big time just he's now at university of Florida. I'm this, you know, no nothing high school coach in Chicago. And he talked to me like I was a person and I always like, Oh, high esteem mouse Holloway took the time to talk to me. And he's still to this day, he's an amazing guy. Right. So, reply back even if it's a simple like hey i'm so sorry we don't have any positions good luck or whatever but as the sender i love this attitude no expectations right like hey i'm gonna send this out i got no if zero respond back oh well that sucks i'll find a different way to communicate right love that love that love that okay so let's let's we gotta give a shout out i hope you're you're about to give us the payoff here who was the one coach man i want to know this hero here who was this oh the one person that replied was coach pete mazone He's the head cross-country coach. They don't have track now, uh, but they did then at Florida Tech down in Melbourne, Florida, Florida Institute of Technology. So he emailed me back and he was like, you know, he appreciated me just sending him the email and he said he was interested. And I'm like, wow. So, you know me, I get the email. I hit him back immediately. I'm like, hey, go ahead, hit him back. Go ahead just to try to get some, he may reply back. We get something going so I don't have to wait a week or two for, for an email back or whatever. I don't know how good of a, uh, emailer he is so I said let me just go ahead and hit him back I did I hit him back instantly he emailed me right back he said look we're interested it's not a lot of money for the position um, but he said you seem like someone that you know you're going to take pride in what you do and and, and I want to give you a chance so I want to interview you so he so he brought I came down did an interview um, and he said you know what just off of your your heart your spirit and I know you don't have any experience, but he said the one experience you have is you're a winner. And he said, that I, and I'm going to give you a chance because you're a winner. And I'd be darned, that sucker hired me. <laughs> and so we, we, we started the program. And you know what's crazy? They never had a track program. So that was another reason why he wanted to bring me on because I was the first sign to get shorter. Yeah, you've got that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Experience. And I saw it as an athlete. So I will be able to kind of relate to the athletes that we're going to bring in. Right. And I'll have patience because now now you didn't try the scott bird technique did you like on everybody you recruited hey man you're gonna be the first guy we signed we're gonna win a national title (laughs) there's there's few people that can pull that off and scott bird's one of them i sure did i think coach bird must have knew 
we had some good sort of budget or something. He must have knew something I didn't know. He's knew something. <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't take that take that route. But I did take a lot of the stuff that we did and kind right. of implemented into what we did at FIT, just from a culture standpoint, mm-hmm. from a build a program on relationship standpoint, mm-hmm. et cetera. I did take that aspect, and boy, we took off immediately in Division Two. We had some All Americans right out of the gate. Wow. Um, it was really really cool, and so I stayed there for about three years. And I, and I went to, you know, Coach Mazzone and I said, man, I because I, he had been, he's been there since the 80s. So I knew he weren't leaving no time soon. Mm-hmm. And he's also the associate AD as well. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, I went to him one day and I said, I, I, you know, I think I'm ready to be a head coach. And he did, said, I agree with uh, you. Did you say a head coach? A head coach. Now, now you've been there. Th- where's this coming from? Because you've been there three years. Uh, you didn't grow up. Like you didn't tell me about your freshman year in high school. You're like, yep, I knew I was going to be a coach since I was 13 years old, whatever, right? After three years, because this could be a fine line between bravado, but actual destination, um, you know, as well. What, what? Why after three years of a program that just started, again, it's not like, you know, you get into a program and you've learned so much because of the, the championship staff that was there. What What was it after three years that you're like, yeah, I want to be a head coach? Well, the cool thing is, is Pete really let me run the show for track and he just handled cross country. He didn't have a lot of strengths when it comes to knowledge and like sprints and hurdles and mm-hmm. jumps. And so he said, you know what? It's all you. He let me recruit everything. When I tell you, he let me do the work. And I think it helped me too, because I didn't have him looking over my shoulder, mm-hmm. but he would kind of mentor me and encourage me along the way. Cause he was just straight up. He said, this is not one of my strengths, mm-hmm. but he said, the best way to learn is to actually do it and make mistakes along the way and learn to adjust to it. And so, so, so it seemed I, like you had a good mentor in Pete and shout out Pete. That, that's, uh, that's amazing that you would give a young, a young kid, honestly, uh, the reins and, and yeah. you know, guide the, the person, but not to micromanage or micro limits, uh, the experience that Nick had there. So shout out, man. That's, that's amazing. Uh, were there other coaches during that three years, whether it was, uh, the baseball coach at Florida tech or other coaches like a mouse at, at, at Florida, were there other coaches that you were whether it was formally being mentored, meaning asking a lot of questions and getting answers or anybody that maybe you just kind of kept an eye on. It's like, you know, I'm watching how he or she leads that program. I think that's kind of cool to how they did that. Like kind of storing up all this, like in the future, I'm going to do this. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So the athletic director, um, name was Bill Jurgens at the time. He's now retired. He had been at FIT for over 50 years, whether it was like an athlete coach and AD, he had been there forever. And so I kind of picked his brain and he kind of, you know, anytime I asked him a question, I was like a nagging gnat. Like I would always have questions. Mm-hmm. I was like trying to learn. I was young, man. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have anything to do, but learn. And so <laughs> I go ahead and, you know, try to pick his brain. So he was one. And then also too, they had a women's basketball coach that's been there just as long as coach Mazon. That's one thing about FIT. They don't have a lot of turnover. Those people, they go there and they stay. Hmm. Um, and so I guess, you know, it's a good enough culture where they, that's what they want to do. So mm-hmm. he, he had been the basketball coach there. I don't know, in close to 30 years, if not 30, hmm. his name was John Reynolds. And so I would pick his brain, but also watch how he operated his team. So I would catch some of his practices. I would, you know, his door was always open when he had meetings with his staff because he felt he had nothing to hide. So I had an opportunity hmm. to kind of listen to see how he would run meetings and how he would talk to his staff and, and you know, what was their direction and their philosophy um, as far as a program and recruiting. And so I took a lot of things from his toolbox and put it in mine. Mm. And, and I think that 
it really helped me. So when I did become a head coach, I, I was ready because I felt that I had all the things needed along with the continuing to learn more. It, it sounds like you're an observer, maybe by nature. Would, would yeah. you categorize yourself that way? Yeah, I tell people all the time, not much gets past me. Like I literally will pay attention. And, and, I, and, I, and I talk a lot. People tell you, yeah, man, Nick, you know, he, he'll talk your head off, man. He, he loves to try to, you know, come and talk to people and et cetera. But I really watch and observe my peers and how they move and operate. Even right now, even with the program that we have now at Southeast and how when we're in the infields at nationals and things like that, I really watch some of the other coaches, mm -hmm. whether they're a powerhouse or not, mm -hmm. how they operate with their team, how they operate with the athletic trainers, any support staff how they operate when they talk to their team, if they get in like that team setting or if we're in the, uh, if we're in the hotel and someone has the uh, conference room reserved before us, I found myself not sneaking to hear what they're saying. Just if the door is open, mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm pretty, I want to hear how this coach operates with his team and, and, and maybe there's some things that I can do better. Where does that, that, I don't know that that's a learned trait, right? Like no one ever sat you down and said, Hey, I assume no one ever sat you down and said, Hey, when you're around other people, yeah, shut your mouth and pay attention. Right. Uh, but that observer mentality, that's a real like educational, like oh, I, I, I'm a sponge. I want to learn when you think about that, where, where does that come from? Is that a trait like from maybe mom and dad or a family member or an English teacher? I mean, wh where does that trait of like, okay, pay attention to your surroundings and actually like observes a good word, right? So I can watch someone, but it, I don't, I don't soak it in. Right. But observe is like, oh, I'm, I'm bringing this in and, and I'm calculating, you know, X's and O's off yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. I got that from my mom for sure. Is that I mean, right? She, she's always operated that way. And um, you know, we're just always been observant. You know, I'm from the South. So we've just always observed how everybody moves, talks. We're used to speaking to everybody. Um, you know, like for me, you know, you don't want anything bad to happen, but let's say we were at a gas station. I walk in the store. I find myself, if I'm just going to get a drink, I, I'm counting how many people's in the store. Hmm. Like I don't, in case anything happens, I'm memory face. Oh yeah. That guy had on some Batman socks. He has some black pants on, et cetera. It's just normal for me hmm. to, to move that way. And it's not moving in fear. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's, it's a, it's like a weird trait, but a good trait. It just naturally just happens. Was mom a uh, teacher or coach or? No, she, she did physical therapy. Yeah. Okay. She did work with a lot of like patients or student athletes and et cetera. Yeah. Uh, so I guess she just had an opportunity to really observe a lot of different people in their different personalities as well. Well, in physical therapy is a lot of questioning, right? Like, hey, so how did this happen? What does it feel like when you do that? Like, it's it's less actually telling you, okay, now here, do you know this stretch or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a lot of questioning and, and so therefore observing and, 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 and digesting what the person actually says, not just, you know, I'm not actually listening to you. I just had to ask you a question. Like, it's actually like, oh, okay. So if they did that, well, I better ask this off of that, you know, that kind of thing. That's, that's exactly. interesting. That's interesting. So yeah. you walk into Pete's office and you're like, Hey man, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and I'm three years in this. I'm an expert now. Uh, so I want to be a head coach. What, what happens <laughs> <Exactly>. next? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I talked with him about it and he was very supportive of it. He agreed with me um that he thought that I was ready but he did tell me too you know make sure you know you you feel that you're getting the job that's best for you as well you know he said just because there's head coaching vacancies open don't mean that 
those are really good jobs. You know, you need to really take a look at that university and their direction and maybe the athletic director and the turnover rate in that department. He, he did give me some good advice yeah, to he did. look at um, as well. And are you married or family at this point, or is it still just no, single? No, I, had, I had two little girls, but I was, yeah. you know, I had a girlfriend at the time, which is my wife um, at the time. And so, and what was cool is she ended up going to grad school and getting her master's in uh, applied behavior analysis at Florida Tech as well. Uh, oh. They had a, you know, an autism, she works with kids with autism. So she was able, she's a clinical director now at an autism clinic, but they had a clinic on the campus at Florida Tech. Uh, why am I not interviewing her? This seems like a powerhouse here. Holy cow. And I, and I already know you don't know listening, but she was a track athlete as well, right? Yeah. At, at the at the world's worst college, though. So I went to the world's best, Troy University. And the rivalry is not there anymore because of the whole 1A, 1AA thing. That's right. I'm yeah. old school. I still call it 1AA. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about this FCS, FBS. It's 1A and 1AA to me. Uh, but we had a huge rivalry. Like, the Florida, Florida State, the Alabama, Auburn. It was Troy and Jacksonville State. Whoop Jack State, right? Uh, in, in fact, my, uh, one of my coaches during my Rush Probst year was John Gross, who just recently uh, resigned from Jacksonville State and did a great job, took him to the national title game and the whole nine. But uh, Nick's wife went to Jack State. Uh, she obviously must be smart because she has overcome that degree that she got from Jacksonville State, you know, that'll hold you back. But she seems to have really overcome this, uh, this, uh, this, this foothold back holding her back. <laughs> she was a dog, man. She was a Ohio Valley Conference champion for her hurdles in college at Jack State. And, she was a long hurdler, um, too. That's how you guys know each other, right? You're like, you know, you're, you have a lot of in common. Yeah, that's so cool. It was cool too because this past year, she won the USATF Masters National Championship in the four and hurdles up in oh, Iowa, Iowa State. So, yeah, she's still trained. She trains with our team. So wow, that you know that that actually you know makes me question her intelligence. Not only the Jack State decision, but it's like <laughs> you got to be done, man. This hurts too much to be doing this as a mom and you know, at our age. Get out of here. <laughs> After she had our daughter. So she, our daughter Aspen, who just turned two in October. Uh, she was born October second, two thousand nineteen. Her goal was to, you know, get back to a fitness shape where she felt good about herself. And I told her, I said, well, you know, why don't you just try to maybe get back to training? You know, just some light training. You don't, you don't have to be full time, you know, like, like you're going to go compete. And so she was training with our team and she's getting in reps with our team. And I, and I remind you, she's in the group with my girls four by four. My girls four by four won a national championship this past year. So they ain't no slouches. I mean, they're legit. And I mean, I got the national runner up for and a hurdle girl on my team. So you, you, she's not going to get a bunch of slouches. Right. She's finding herself in reps with them for whole workouts for like a month and like literally can go with them the entire time, no stopping. And I'm looking like, what? Like, this is after, you know, having our, our daughter. Yeah. And so she's <laughs> like, so I brought it up to her. I said, well, here's a way where maybe we can continue to spend more time together because I'm, I'm, I'm traveling, I'm recruiting. You I was about to say, you're recruiting her. That's what you're doing. Yeah. So I said, how about we do this? If you <laughs> practice with our team and be able to travel with us and run competitions, you're, you're in the team setting, but you're also, we get to spend time together as well. You're not just stuck at home while I'm going to meets. And so we did, and we didn't know we'd win a national championship this year off wow. of it though. And we did. And so it was really just cool to see her accomplish those things. And, and I was just really proud of her. What, what's your wife's first name? 
Latasha. Latasha, shout out to you, man. I mean, you let this guy sucker you in to continue to compete, man. <laughs> but it, you had the payoff. So more time together as a husband and wife, that's always positive. And then you win a stinking national title, man. That's that's amazing. That's so cool. And I'm just, Latasha, I'm just so sorry about your college degree. It's not, you know, I'm sure you don't even like mine. I hang up on my wall because I'm very, very proud. I'm sure yours is in the basement or something i, I get it i get it you'll still see this you're gonna laugh i get it <laughs> all right so back to pete you tell him i want to be a head coach uh pete gives you a lot of really really good advice man like i love how pete like poured into you here it seems like yeah. not not laughed at you not like yeah whatever kid you know you're three years in whatever man so what what, what was the next step what'd you do yeah so i end up i found a, a position at bruton parker college is in mount vernon georgia mm -hmm. well, i'm originally from south georgia so it was going to put me a little bit closer to home you know i can be able to see family a little bit more frequently i mean it was sad i had to leave the beach because i was in melbourne right off the space coast oh Cooper yeah it was but you know i was a country boy at heart though man so seeing corn fields and cotton fields and things like that that was just my nature. I enjoyed the, the smelling the burning the air in the fall when it's so cold outside. That's just what I was accustomed to and not like beach and city life. So I just wanted to get back a little bit closer to home, took the job at Bruton Parker, and we had some little bit of success early. I wasn't there, but maybe eight or nine months or so. Um, but it was a good experience. You know, what led me away from there was a really good job opportunity at Loyola University, New Orleans came up. Mm -hmm. and, and so, and it was going to put me in a conference that was in the, you know, it was, it was in the SSAC as well as Bruton Parker, but I just thought it was going to be a little bit better situation. Also too, the, the, really the move for the, really the departure from Bruton Parker is because my wife works with children with autism and she's a clinical director and they didn't have those type of resources in the area. Mm -hmm. uh, we tried to be able to maybe do some things from Savannah, from Savannah which was, it was still going to be an hour and 20 commute but those things didn't work out and she was going to take a major pay cut as well. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of led me away from Bruton Parker. So I didn't just leave Bruton Parker because I didn't like it. Right. Were you the head coach at Bruton Parker? Correct. Okay. And then when you went to Loyola down in New Orleans, were you the head coach down there as well? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I love, you know, we talk about, you, you talked about the opportunity of Loyola, you know, not only, you know, it's in New Orleans and the program, et cetera. Uh, but the decision, that that paid, played into the decision probably right but uh, the, a lot of the decision had to be with the family and you know the wife's career as well and what are we going to do as a family unit so uh, right. that's that's extremely important like there's no apologies to be made uh yeah. in regards to being at a place for nine months or nine years when it's the decisions like hey this is what's i believe is you know we don't know until the future right but i believe this is best for my family that's and that, that should that probably should be more of the number one on your checklist of why we're looking for different jobs should be not just, you know, a paycheck obviously is extremely important. You got to get paid. And you, you know, and, uh, you know, I've said it probably on every show we've ever had here. Our track coaches collegiately and high school uh, need to be paid more. And I know all my pro uh, pro coaches were like, yeah, us too. And you're, you're right. You too. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, that, that also has to play into it, but the family, like, Hey, what's best for my family that that has to be it should be i should say n number one for sure for sure yeah and the blue Parker people they were very i mean i still got great relationships with them today mm -hmm. um, because we built good relationships and we didn't leave on bad terms or mm -hmm. or nothing like that there was no secret you know you right. know when we told them like this is what the situation is and, and so and then that's always good because you never know when you have to cross those bridges ever again amen that's right that's right so how was it at loyola and how long did you spend there uh so loyola was great um, and we had a lot of success early. 
uh, took that program to runner up in the conference on the girls side after, you know, they were just okay, you know, it's kind of bottom tier, you know, beforehand. And uh, they, we had their first NAI All-American when I was there. Uh, it was a multi and a heptathlon, a female. She did really well. Um, had a bunch of individual conference champions. I mean, it went really, really good. Wow. Cross country went well, had runner of the year in cross country. So it was, it, we, we, we were seeing a lot of success. I stayed there two, yeah, two years. And, and I was planning to actually be there long-term. Mm-hmm. And then Southeastern came up. And Southeastern was kind of a no-brainer. Um, and not because of the location or anything, because um, I have a good with the Loyola people still, and they were really sad to see me go because we we had did really well. Not just me, man, but man, I had a good staff, had a really good assistant coach. Um, and and I, I was able to, you know, help her and and she ended up getting a job up in South Dakota as a head coach. So and she came to me as a GA. Uh, so I, I gave her her first chance just like someone gave me mine she was just a graduate assistant mm-hmm. and so it was just cool that I was able to you know do that and help her along the way and so but Southeastern came up about starting a program and the mm-hmm. first thing I thought about was Coach Bird I gave him a call and I mm-hmm. said Coach Bird I, I've been doing this for a little while now and I've seen some success but I really want to test myself as a coach my patience everything because they want to start a program from scratch. Like they want to start, and I'm talking about where I get to be the head coach start from scratch. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was kind of up for the challenge. And that's how I ended up at Southeastern. And tell me, what city is Southeastern in? Lakeland, Florida. Yeah, okay. So I'm noticing a little bit of a theme here throughout your career up to this point at Southeastern, kind of twofold. One is you go to an NAIA school, uh, you coach, I know Florida Tech wasn't NAIA, but Bruton Parker, yeah, it is. Uh, it wasn't is uh, loyal in New Orleans is mm-hmm. NAIA and now Southeastern is NAIA. Is that th- does that play into it at all with you? Or are you like a um, you, you, you've already talked to and I could tell your passion about NAIA in regards to the organization and the level of competition specifically for track and field. But d- does that specifically play into it? Like, are you kind of like, yeah, I'm an a- NAIA guy at heart? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not opposed to being in other divisions. I mean, I've had even Division One offers and things like that. What I love about the NAI is I'm able to, I feel like I can pour more into my student athletes, mm. you know, and I don't have to have a, a roster size that's drastically huge. Like, I don't have to have 150 kids. Mm, okay. My AD is very supportive where I can have a good 80 to 85 and he's good and it's manageable with the staff that I have because I'm big on relationships. Man, my staff will tell you, and, and this is, like I said, this is recorded, so they'll know, this is no lie here. If, if, if you can't be on my staff, if you're not willing to pour into our student athletes and build personal relationships with them that are gonna last a lifetime because the championship will eventually be faded and not remembered, but what you poured into that student athlete or student athletes will be. And so we want to be able to be that dad or that mom to the kids that don't have that. We have kids on our team that don't have either. And so we're that when they're here for the eight to nine months. We're the ones that are having to look out for them. We're the ones they're going to call if they get into any trouble. And so we want them to be able to call us because they trust us, because of the relationship we built with them and not because, well, I got in trouble and I just got to call my coach. Hope they don't take the scholarship. We don't want them to think that way. We, we know that there's going to be some consequences for some things, but we want them to call us because they feel that 
the relationship is there to do that. And so, and that's what we kind of build the program. And I feel that the NAI, because of what their beliefs are and their character traits, I can do that. And, 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 I, and I'm big in my faith, too, in Southeastern Christian School, and that's welcome there. Right. So I'm able to do that and have Bible study every week and things like that. The, the other theme that I'm noticing is this build from scratch type attitude. Uh, you go to Shorter, you're the first signee there. There is no program. You help build the program and even take it with the uh, help of teammates and coaches to a national title. Uh, you go to Florida Tech, uh, there's no track program. You're basically responsible for helping build that side up with, uh, with Coach Pete. Um, Bruton Parker, I think, had a, a program, and Loyola New Orleans, I think, certainly had a program. But then you get this call, and you know, it's amazing if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, hit the rewind button and go look when he said this opportunity. He said this amazing opportunity came up in Southeastern. His eyes lit up. Like there, there was something about not only, you know, Lakeland's beautiful and it's another NEIA program. So that's cool. Kind of, you know, works in your mojo for what you've been doing in your career. But it looked, it, your eyes lit up when you were talking about, and I get to start from scratch. They want to build from scratch. I called Scott Bird, talked to him about it. And then like, yep, we legit, we, we went for it. What is it about, you know, building a program is different than taking over a program, whether that program is very successful or not, like even a rebuild is different than a new build, right? What is it about that clean slate? There, there is no history to, <laughs> to recruit on, to look on. Uh, there's no past coach to get advice from. It, you're, you're building the playbook from chapter one. You're, 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 starting from scratch. What is it about that, Nick, that kind of gets your juices going? Like, that's what you get excited about. Yeah, I think, you know, what really got me excited was the recruiting aspect. And the reason why I say that is because when we're starting from scratch, I have my, my beliefs and my mold for my program and what I want and how I want it done. And I think what helped us was when we brought these athletes in, they understood that in recruiting. So they knew what they were getting themselves into where we didn't have to come into a program. And, that, and I, I know people take over new jobs and et cetera. Sometimes it'd be tough because you coming in and you're trying to make changes and they're like, well, this has worked for us before. New coach trying to do this. For me, what we brought in, that's what they understood from the start. So as we kept bringing in new student athletes, the ones that we brought in first became our leaders and they were pouring into the new kids saying, this is how Coach Dotson operates. This is what he does. This is what he expects. So then now we have developed what we call tradition never graduates. So once they're out the door, we just keep recycling what we've done with our new student athletes to keep moving forward. And that's what made me excited about being able to start it from scratch. And also too, I was in their shoes at one point. So I felt like I was overlooked in recruiting. I felt that many people didn't give me a chance. They, you know, I, people came around when they thought that it was convenient later because I started to do well. And I had a person like Scott Bird say, look, man, I don't worry about how many state championships you won. I, you know, I've talked to people about you and I think that you'll be a great fit for us. And so, and that's kind of how we recruited. We signed a bunch of kids that nobody wanted. Right? Our signees, they'll, they'll listen to this. They'll, they'll know the ones that are about to graduate. We signed a bunch of kids that nobody wanted. And these same kids have now became national champions, whether in their individual events or, now we've got a top five program nationally in NAI with both the men and the women. And so, and it was a bunch of, with a bunch of kids that nobody wanted, whether they were in single A private or single A public or, you know, double A, I mean, six A, whatever. We've gotten a lot of those lower classification kids that didn't get a lot of looks 
and they've came in, they worked their butt off and been consistent in the classroom and, and it's, they're showing. So two things you've broken there. I'm going to address one, then I'm going to, if it's okay with you, I'm going to challenge you on, on one. Uh, first of all, I love that your attitude of like, it seems like you like to look at a blank slate and write the history, not look at history and continue it or change it, et cetera. I, I just like that. That's right in your own story. That, that's amazing to me. I love that. Now let's talk about this. Um, your words, a bunch of kids that no one wanted. So when you, you said you graduated in 06, I think, right? Is that what you said? So at 06, I have a hard, I had a hard time believing it's, I coached for 10 years and I was a, I, I was a much better recruiter than I was a coach. That ain't saying much because I wasn't that great of a coach, but I was a really good recruiter in my opinion. Uh, I, I still, I, I got a lot of kids signed at my places that other people thought they were going to get. Okay. That's, yeah. that's my, that's my small brag for the moment. Okay. But back in, you know, Oh five was my last season. So Oh five, you're a junior. I'm still coach. I'm coaching in the sec. It's fairly easy for me to find air quotes here. Everyone. Like I yeah. got diced at back then. Right. I see everybody. It, it was hard for someone to be overlooked. Now, yeah. fast forward. What, what, uh, how many years have you been at Southeastern? Um, I started, I got there in 2018. Perfect. So in the last three years, so 2018, now, especially with these things right here, social media, which I didn't coach in the era of social media, thank God, uh, with social media, internet, I have a hard time. You, I'm challenging you. So you, 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 you hit me back here now. Yeah. Uh, come with your facts though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how is someone overlooked today? The only way I can find someone when you say these are a bunch of kids and they did awesome. And we're going to talk about the successes that you have, because you have certainly had your successes. I'm not taking like, let, let's, let's clear the air that yeah. my man, Nick here hasn't taken a bunch of kids that no one wants. And they're a solid program. They're a really, like you said, top five, they're a really good program. So the only way that I can define when you say these are kids that maybe no one else was looking at, like you were back in the day, is that they're not very good at a high school, giving the example that there are 70 and 75 second quarter milers on the on the girl side. And that's why no one else was signing them. And you've taken a 75 second quarter miler and made her a 55 or a 54, or 53, whatever uh, it would take there on that level. That, that's amazing, by the way. I, I mean, like, like, I would have all props for that. So I want to challenge this that no one else looked at them. Seriously, you, you have a bunch of good kids. You're telling me that and I know there was a little hyperbole maybe there, right? But you're telling me that these kids did not have four other, you know, we typically get five visits, right? You're telling me these kids did not have four other scholarship offers, the majority of them. Obviously, you got some studs and things like that. You're, you're really telling me that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, and, and so in our four by four, and, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, and I'll give you a story. I'll give you a quick story on how we would get them. Man, God was sitting them putting right on my plate, man. Like he really was. So we were getting one kid. So we started off and now we'll just go with the gir girls real quick. And it's real quick. Mm -hmm. So our national runner up four in the hurdler, she's been two time national runner up out of high school. She was barely running 58. She was like 58 high somewhere in that area. The in, girls in, like, in the open quarter, in open quarter. All right. Cause if you go say 300 hurdlers. I was going to say, okay, you're on the right track. If you, you sign in a 58, 300 hurdler, that's someone no one's looking at. Okay. Oh, we'll 58. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. <laughs> All right, 58 quarter 58 quarter yeah, ran 58 and a quarter okay and it was like 58 high she's already ran 55 low for us and so she wasn't getting a lot of offers yeah, but okay but that's now that you're telling me that story tells me immediately good coaching I, 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 absolutely all right okay good coaching you take a 58 down to a 55 pff, bravo bro that, that's awesome yeah 
but I see who gets signed. Like I still pay attention to what, what kids, you know, what times are getting signed. And certainly there's some amazing 53s and stuff like that are getting signed by the, whatever you want to call the big dogs are and whatnot. Right. But a 58 second quarter high school athlete, I, I know they're, they're getting looks from other people. They have to be. You, you, you think it just depends on, I guess it also depends too. Cause we were, we had a lot of kids with some different unique majors that some that we had that some didn't have too. And so, oh, okay. Think, That's different. You know, look at a lot of the, uh, and maybe financially those certain mm-hmm. packages didn't work mm-hmm. for them. So when I, we went through and I was just curious. So our girls four by four that won national championship this past year, there's four girls on there out of the four girls total, there was four offers total out of all of them that they had. Hmm. Four offers total out of four girls. That's all I had. And when one of them that I offered, I was legit her only offer. That one. And you're not saying when I when you say offer, you're not saying, oh, I was the only one who offered her a full ride. Other people yeah. were offering her quarters, but yeah. I offered a full. You're saying offer. Offer. Yeah. And you talked about the majors and that makes sense. We had a uh, new head coach of San Jose state university uh, when he, where was he? I think he was at law tech when we sat down with him. I think nah, that's not right. I can't remember where he was. Sorry, Chuck. Uh, but Chuck was the head coach of art university in uh, San Francisco. <laughs> My memory is getting terrible. We had him on the podcast and he talked to the same cause the, you know, they won a division two national title there. And a lot of them were kids that had, that wanted to major in something that just the, the uh, quote unquote traditional college didn't have. Right. Yeah. So that makes sense in regards to that. Yeah. So, so what is it then? Cause, okay, let's take this young lady that went 58 down to uh, sub 55. There are, I mean, I, you know, Nick, I talk to coaches every day, right. I mean, I, and I do deep dives uh, as, as I'm blessed to be the host here of the, the Gill podcast. There are so many coaches out there. So what, what was it? Why, why did other coaches not see this young lady and see the potential that you did or see a 58 and say, Hey, I'll take a 58. I mean, that's, you know, that'll do me good right here in my conference. Right. What, 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 what is it? What is it that coaches are missing? Well, I think too. And, 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 and when I say this, cause I was talking to some of our student athletes about it, you know, and I, I don't think that, you know, I have a little chip on my shoulder. So when I say that nobody really wanted them, I don't really mean no one really wanted them. They just didn't have the offers to show for it. Okay, so, that's that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. If that makes sense, I think here's the issue. There's go look at how many athletes that are out there that run track in each state, and then go look at how many coaches and and universities it is. Mm-hmm. There, there's a much much bigger number for how many athletes that are trying to be recruited or want to be recruited. Agreed. So I think maybe some just get overlooked accidentally. Yeah, that that, no, that that's a really good point. There are roughly fifteen thousand ish high school programs yeah. and roughly 1300 let's call it 1500 collegiate programs yeah. so that's a 10 to 1 ratio on programs and then you expand it out to the number of kids uh, agreed okay I, I appreciate that, that, that makes... i think that's a huge part into it because and i found it myself there was a there was a kid that they, they found me on twitter and they were literally in my state and i'm like how did I not know about this kid? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we, we work mile split very well. You know, we're on Twitter I and mean, you see us, we're active on Twitter and we're like, how did we miss this kid? And, you know, one of our rivals in our conference was talking to him and et cetera. And, and then, so we end up starting talking to him as well. Cause the only reason why I knew about him because they slid in my inbox and I'm like, oh, wow, but how did I know about this kid? And I think it's too, it's just like, there's so many kids out there 
And once we start getting locked in on about four or five that we're really pouring into, depending on what we're, what our needs are in our program, and we're like, hey, out of this four or five, ain't no way I ain't getting two of these at least, you know. And I think the others just get overlooked because once we grab those two, it's over with, you know. And, and, and that's a great point. Like, not, a, you know, I'm not attacking anybody here, but not attacking any individual coach, right? Because you're right that you're, you're one person. I mean, throughout the country, there are, I mean, literally there's like a million track athletes, high school, right? And then you start putting down to your own uh, event groups and then your own region, because typically you're more region focused and state focused than you are domestically, the whole 40, 50 states. So I get any one coach could not know, like you're talking about, like, how did I not know that girl? She's right here, right? But there's so, but that's where it just boggles me that there's so many coaches yeah. and there's so many in social media and, I, and I'm huge on social media. So maybe, maybe I have a different, a bias because I'm on social media and I see what you guys do and what you do on social media. And I see uh, Adam, the, the head coach of Bruton Parker. Now I see yeah. what he does. And it's like, man, everybody is hustling. They're working. How yep. does anybody fall through the cracks today? It just, it just boggles me. Okay. I'll let you off the hot seat there, man. Thanks for right. letting me challenge you there. So talk to me about Southeastern. You get to Lakeland. It's brand new, right? So there's no program, no coaches, right? So you've got to build everything. Maybe the budget, the staff, recruiting. Talk to me about how that went the first year. Now they did have cross country and they had a really good distance coach named Paul Kurtz. And he's still on our staff right now. Cool. Uh, he did a really good job with them. So they kind of had a vision, but they had nothing else. I'm talking about no, no gear with their name on it, but it says track, no, no athletes outside the distance. No facilities, I assume as well then? Facilities. You know, we're, we're looking into building a facility now, mm-hmm. but we still don't currently have one. So we didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, we, we got there and I said, you know what? The first thing that we can definitely sell is the location. We're 30 minutes from Disney World. We're not far from the beach. You know, what can we sell to get this thing kind of going? And so uh, I talked to my AD. I said, look, what do I got to do to get another assistant? He told me how many numbers I needed to bring in. So that first year, I brought him in all by myself because I didn't have nobody else to help me if I was going to get another assistant. But, But you strike me as the kind of guy that likes that goal. Like, okay, you need to have X number of kids on the team. Bam. Okay. Every time I sign a kid or I get a kid to walk on, that's one more step towards that goal of getting another assistant. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like for me, like it's crazy thing. My wife was like, man, you're so competitive. Like I'll put the GPS on in the car. It tells them we get there at 1015. Now I say I can shape five. I got that. Yeah, that's just a challenge. That's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. like, it's, it's like, oh, 1015, it's on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. He told me, he's like, look, you get this amount of numbers, you know, we'll get you an assistant. But he said, now, and I remind you, my first day on the job wasn't until May, May 2nd, 2018. Most kids know where they're going probably at that point. Yeah, exactly. So when he told me that, I'm like, hey, but I'm up for the challenge. You know, I'm up for the challenge. Let's see what I can do with it. Um, because I knew I really needed another assistant, but I also wanted to challenge myself as well and see if I could really bring in quality numbers, not just any numbers. I turned down a lot of kids too. Right. I turned out a bunch because I didn't want to start the program off with, you know, any cancers or any kids that I didn't feel that was going to fit the model that I was looking for, because this is for us to help grow long-term, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I didn't just settle for, and I think my AD knew that too. I didn't just settle for just any numbers. We got what we thought were quality numbers for us in the program. So that when we look at this thing four years from now, 
those signees played a big part of what we're doing currently. Right. Not just participants, like they actually performed. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest, it really worked out because the national championship that we won in the girls four by four this year, three of the girl, three of those girls were three of the top five signees that we signed. Oh wow. We brought in one extra girl the next year that made a difference for us yeah. that we thought would help get us up. But those three were part of that. <laughs> Our two national runner-up 110 hurdlers, we went second and third at nationals this year in the 110s. Well, our top guy went 1385. We got a 1385, 1394, 1396. But they all never ran 13 in high school. I was about to say, what, what were those kids running? I have to assume you're not getting sub-14 kids. Yeah. they. School. Sorry, I could be wrong there. but we, we, And there's times that we're close to getting them and signing, but then those guys are running 14-4, 14-5 out of high school. I mean, they're running 13, 8, 13, 9 on the college highs. It, it's, now, time, it's times like this that I do wish we talked about X's and O's, specifically because it's hurdles. Uh, yeah. That fascinates me that 14.5 over 39s and you're getting down to sub 14s over 42. That's amazing. You need to be on. I'm going to have to get you on like either Ryan Banta's show uh, or um, who's another good one, man, Andrew McGee. You got you to gotta get on one of the shows that do talk about X's and O's because that's, that's a skill set there, man. 14.5, because again, remember, the, the, it's a different event. It's the same 110 <laughs> meters, but it's 39 to 42. Uh, so to get 14.5s down to, uh, to, down to sub 14s, uh, everybody will be listening to that. So we, we got to figure out a way to get you on one of those shows and learn your quote unquote secrets, right? Because uh, they're, they're not really secrets, right? <laughs> yeah. The thing is, too, man, I, I get a lot of credit, but man, those kids work their butt off. Yeah. Too. And, of you know, if they don't put the if they don't put the work in and do what's necessary, even off the track. These things don't happen. I tell them, you know, just your grades alone. Mm. If you know you're struggling in the classroom, you've added unnecessary stress to your plate that's going to now affect your performance when you come through the gate. Mm-hmm. And so the, all of that plays a lot into it. And so, but we've, we've been able to produce th- these, these type of performances and times and et cetera with kids that, you know, we either felt were overlooked or they didn't have the times to maybe go, uh, you know, mid D1 or, you know, mm-hmm. power five division one or whatever it may be. Um, and then now they're running times where it's like, man, you know, we get invited to go to Clemson now or Miami. And so, you know, wait, we had a great show and Miami invited us to come down to their meet last year. We ran on ESPN on the ACC network and the commentators gave us a shout out. We were the smallest school there. They said, we have to give it Southeastern, you know, they're holding their weight down here. And it's because those kids really worked their butt off, but I wanted to put them in an environment where they, they know that they're competitive, you know, and, and so that's why we appreciate the coach Dana Boones from UCF and coach Eric Jenkins from USF, because whenever I reach out to them, they always let us come. Yeah. They always let us come because they feel that we are competitive, but it's good for the sport. And so, and, and, and they see that what we have on our roster and, and it's also helping them get better as well when we're at the competitions, because we're competing against them too. And those two are just great people by the way, <laughs> Dana, I've had on the podcast. I got to get Eric on the podcast. Another great guy who yeah. uh, is going to do amazing at South Florida as he continues right now, to build this culture. Too. Yeah, he's, he's going to do it. Uh, the, I know everybody in Florida is kind of holding their breath because it's like, you know, Eric's a winner. I mean, he's it's yeah. it's literally just a matter of time with him yeah. as he grabs his culture uh, through the the, gold, the Bulls there. So talk to us about, you said you started at the um, 2018 season yeah, well, so, 2019 was my first season. Got it. 18, I got there in May 2nd of 18, so the season was really over. Gotcha, so 19, 20, 20. So we're going into our fourth season here, uh, and obviously, 
you know, the craziest four years, you, you never could have imagined all the things that would have gone on in the last four years, uh, noting some of the obvious stuff with COVID, et cetera. What are some of the, you know, when you look back over four years and the successes that you are having, what have been like the things that have surprised you the most about being a head coach uh, of a new program at Southeastern? Uh, really just the amount of quality numbers that we've got in and our, and, and we've been able to, you know, keep those kids. Cause our goal is, you know, when we bring you to our program, we're hoping that we feel that this program is for you and that you feel that this is your future and you can get your education here. You can run here. We don't want you to transfer. So we want to keep a very, very low transfer rate. Now we know it's not going to be a perfect rate because the program's not for everybody. Well, we feel that we thought that this student athlete would be a great fit for us and they end up not being a good fit for us. So we, we get that, but we want to keep that number extremely, extremely low. And quite surprisingly, since I've gotten to Southeastern, it's been really good hmm. um, and not surprising because it's a bad thing, but, you know, Southeastern is also a Christian school. And so, you know, what the expectations are with the university and as well as my expectations, you know, we want to feel, feel like we're getting the kids that are going to fit those molds so that they can be set up for success. If you put a kid in that environment, that, that that's not their mold and that's not their direction, you're setting them up for failure, mm. you know, in all honesty, especially if you just try to keep them around, you know, because that's not their environment. That's not what they're looking for and they're going to rebel against it. Mm-hmm. And so, and so we feel that we've, we've brought those, the kids that the university is looking for. Our staff has done a really good job of bringing those kids in and consistently keeping them there. And so that's been the huge surpriser for me. And looking into your crystal ball here, knowing your nature of what we talked about, you know, building programs from scratch, how do you, as you go into your fourth year and we look 10 years down the line, so you, let, let's say it's uh, 2020, what's, yeah, I went to school in Alabama, so what's that math? 2028, let's, let's, let's round it up. Let's say it's 2030. Yeah, you, you've been at Southeastern for over a decade, the record books, all, you know, your top 10 list or every one of the athletes you and your staff have coached, you've hired all the coaches that have coached those great athletes, maybe by then you've won a national title, things like that. How do you think you can keep yourself motivated? Because it's not a new program anymore, right now it's, it's a different yeah. goal set to build a program than it is to maintain and, and incrementally grow, right? You're going to eventually be top 10 consistently as a team. Well, then the goal is the, how do I get to top five? How do I win the national title, et cetera? How do you think you're going to keep yourself motivated for that? Or is it just a simple fact of like, oh yeah, Nick will just be going to a different school after six, seven, a year, whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think the motivation for me, number one, it's going to be tough to get me away from this program because it, it means something to me because I started it as a head coach. Oh yeah. It's, it's your baby. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Not to take away from your actual babies, you know, but yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. And so even if I did leave, you'll, I'll find myself on their webpage all the time, just seeing how the things are going with the mm-hmm. program, et cetera. Cause I, I, I know where it was when I was hired mm-hmm. and I know where it was when I left, you know what I mean? So it's going to mean something to me, but I think for me, what's going to keep me motivated years over time is, I feel like what we do within our program and the type of kids we bring in, championships are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying in a bragging tip. We tell the kids all the time, you do what you're supposed to do. We're going to be there at the end. Mm-hmm. Like that's that we expect that. I think what's going to keep me motivated is me challenging myself to have the highest graduation rate every year within our athletic department. Mm-hmm. Me trying to make sure that I'm making a difference in these kids' life, making sure I'm putting degrees in hands. I'm counting up how many first generation kids that we're having from the time we started to now. I, I have an Excel sheet of this type of stuff. 
Like that's the type of stuff that that is going to motivate me in 2030, because I'm going to feel that, like you said, the championships are going to be there. We've won. We've done that. We want to continue doing that. But what else are we doing? Are we still maintaining the highest academic uh, GPA in our conference? Are we still maintaining the highest amount of academic all-conference, academic all-American selections in our conference? We went from having a total of 10 first-generation athletes from 2018 to 2023, but now from 2025, 2030, we're up to 30 first-generations, and did we graduate all of them? Hmm. Like, those are going to be the type of goals that are going to keep me motivated as the years keep going, because I feel that God put me in this position. It was my calling to be able to use my story and my energy to help get these kids to the position that they want to be at in life. And also make sure that we try to not allow them to become a statistic, Mm. like not a negative statistic. You know, we tell these kids all the time, look, it's just your first generation kids. It is extremely important that you graduate. Well, why coach? because there are people coming behind you and the ones that are coming behind you, if you didn't finish for whatever reason, or, or you end up back home, you got in trouble. They're going to be like, well, such and such went to college. It just wasn't for them. So, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. and so then now you were already setting maybe a negative mindset in the brains of those behind you before they even got a chance to come experience what college is and what it can do for you. Mm -hmm. So those are the type of things that's going to keep me motivated 2030 and above. I mean, it's pretty obvious, you know, that analogy I used about your attitude of that clean slate and writing your history of the program, that seems to be a pretty big driver because what you just described there with the athletes is, hey, first generational athletes, instead of being held back by chains of the past, like you get to, you, here's your clean slate, like here, you know, my thing's a clean slate, I'm going to give you your clean slate now, start that story by graduating college and be an example for your family and the kids and, and uh, family that you're going to grow, et cetera, and write your own history. That's a pretty big, like I ain't the brightest guy in the world, but that's a pretty big theme for you, man. I, I love yeah. that. That's, that's really cool. Um, Nick, as we start to wrap up, I got two more questions for you here. Two more topics to talk about real quick. One is I love you. I think if we were to count it up, I think you've used the word we over me at a 10 to one ratio, maybe give a shout out to the staff that you've have there at Southeastern. Now you mentioned your distance coach, maybe start with him and who are the other uh, coaches that have helped you uh, there at Southeastern? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, coach Paul Kurtz, he's our distance coach, our head cross country coach done a really good job for us. Um, just really cool to be able to work with, with him every day. Coach Chester Hightower, who's my sprint coach and my, my four by one sprints coach. He's done an excellent job for us. And then my, um, our throws coach and our more multis coach, Coach Mike Lambert, he's been really huge for us because we've had to get really creative with, you know, creating lifted runways and things that we do since we don't have a facility and and being able to put our kids in the best position to be successful. Um, and then, of course, my wife, because she's the only female um, and she plays a big part in our program as well and gives those girls on the team a voice to go to outside of us males, even though our females are very close with us because uh, all of them, you know, male coaches pretty much have daughters. So we're, we're pretty close with the girls on the team, but it also gives them someone else to go to that maybe understands what they went through because she's an athlete doing it and still doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've just been blessed to have what we have. What's cool is the age differences in our, on our team. So like our, our, uh, our 
distance coach. He's like in the late 50-ish area, you know, headed towards the 60s. Coach Lambert is much older than all of us. He's like in the 60s, headed towards the 70s area. And then I'll be 34 in March. And then Coach Hightower will be 33 in January. And so we take an we listen to them and get some of the old school stuff. So our meetings are pretty cool because like they they had to get used to the social media thing. That's just not how they operated, you know, and that's what we did. But then we also looked at some of the things that they did back in their coaching days because both of them, Coach Kurtz has been a head coach and still is cross country. Coach Lambert's been a head coach before. I'm now the boss. You know, and so they well, I'm learning from them and taking some of the things they did in their era and see what would work for us. And I'm taking some of the things we do currently and 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 it's working for them. So it's just crazy how the ages are so far away from each other, but we work so well together. What I love about that is, you know, Nick, at your age and stage, you've been coaching for roughly 10 years, a little bit longer. Um but you know, you're, you're an experienced head coach at this point, obviously still learning, but you know, you've, you've got some chops uh, behind you from experiences. Right. And then yeah. you talk about these other two coaches that are 30 years longer in the tooth than you coaching. Yeah. What I love about that is, you know, sometimes we can get the mindset at a 35, 40 year old, even sometimes 50 years old of like, Oh, you know, I'm setting my ways and you know, I've been doing this for so long. Uh, I'm almost near the end of my career dude, you've got two guys, at least they're out there in front of you that have coached for 30 more years on top of your age. Like you're, you've heard me say this before in the podcast, you're barely Nick Dotson. You're barely at halftime. If, yeah. if, this is, if this is a 400 hurdle race, you're barely, you're not even at hurdle number five. Yeah. Like it's amazing. The experiences that you have and you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm still a rookie. And like, if you can keep that kind of mindset and mentality, that's what helps you continue to always go to coaches, education things, always pick the brain. We're going to be, uh, well, actually when you're listening to this right now, we're at Orlando for the USTF CCCA convention. You're that, that's the type of mentality that keeps you going to these clinics. Uh, exactly. you know, the, the topic, you know, sitting down, uh, one of the guys that I'm always most impressed with is Carl Lewis, you know, Carl, I mean, Carl's Carl. I mean, come on, you're Carl yeah. freaking Lewis, right? Uh, he could easily not talk to anybody, right? I mean, he could be like, yeah, I'm busy, right? I Oh, every clinic I've ever seen him from the TTFCA to the USTFCCA, he always takes so much time talking to younger coaches. It's really quite admirable. Like I, I'm so, so uh, impressed with him on that. But that type of mentality of like, dude, yeah, I'm 35 and I'm head coach. And guess what? I don't know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm still that sponge, Yep. That we talked about, man. So I, I, I love that, man. I love that. Uh, speaking of that, since we're, you know, if you're listening right now, maybe you're at the USTF CCCA convention, uh, which is one of my favorite times of the whole year. I'm so glad that we're back. Yeah, <laughs> we're yep. back, baby. We're back. Yep. Um, but so on Friday, you have uh, you got kind of a you got a you got a special plan on on Friday of this week, don't you? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'll be officially inducted into the NAIA Hall of Fame for uh, my accomplishments as a student athlete. And so, uh, you know, it's a blessing. When you told me you were getting inducted to the NAIA Hall of Fame, I was like, man, it must not be that hard. And here's what I meant by that <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, my, my guy here hasn't been coaching for that long. They're already yeah. inducting him into the Hall of Fame as a coach. Like, that don't seem right. Yeah as you were talking about your athletic accomplishment, I was like, Oh, okay. It's just an athlete. Now one day you keep at it. You're going to be back in as a coach. Yeah. Uh, but definitely your uh, athletic uh, uh, history uh, lends itself to being in the NA hall of fame. You know how many, 
man, you were in some exclusive clubs. You know how many people are in Hall of Fames? Yeah, man, it was, I mean, and to make it into like a collegiate Hall of Fame. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy because there's like people like Brian Clay, who's Olympic champion. So he went to Susan Pacific. Right. He's in the, he's in the NA Hall of Fame. I saw him be inducted when I was at the 2010 Nationals. And so, and I can honestly say I never dreamed a million years about even trying to go to the Hall of Fame. I just wanted to make it out of South Georgia and make my right. family proud. And, uh, and you know, an accomplishment just kind of came. But, you know, to to you look back on it and Coach Bird was telling me, he said, you know, by them doing this, what they're saying is you're one of the greatest hurdles in the history of the NAI. And I'm like, man, you know, you're talking about history. You know, school records are different. You know, you, you're one of the best at your school, and that's pretty cool. And I have our shorter school record. And, but, man, when he told me that and he said it the way he said it, and it came from him mm. who, who, you know, who believed in me. And, and boy, we had some tough times through it practice because there's times he said, you just don't get it, do you? And, you know, and then you look back on all that and you have your coach who's your mentor tell you that it's a testament to, you know, my hard work, but also too, I had a lot of people in my corner. A lot of people had their fingerprints on my journey. And um, I'm just really proud to be able to share this, uh, this moment with them. Do you actually get to do a speech, like an acceptance speech? Yeah. Yeah. So normally in a lot of speeches, you thank the people that brought you there, right? Who were the top three people you're going to be thanking? I think I can guess... I think I can guess all three, but mm-hmm. I know, I know I, I, I'm a gambler. So I know yeah. I can bet on one. It, the yeah. top three people, I, I get Scott Bird's one of those three. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who, who are the other two? Uh, definitely my mom. I knew it. Okay. I'm two for two. Who's the third one? Uh, you better yeah. write this speech, man. It ain't that long yeah. from now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I actually started working on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And my dad definitely played a huge part as well. Uh, Cause I had both my parents in my life and that's a blessing for sure. They just as long as I've been around. Um, and so they played a huge part. So I would go with those three awesome. um, for sure. Um, but I, I mean, I probably got a strong five cause we had a really good athletic director. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met my wife around my senior year. So that went really good. And so mm-hmm. she played a big part. <laughs> <laughs> that is the greatest statement you can make about your wife. I met my wife my senior year and that went pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, went, that went pretty good, you know, because it's like, you she, know, she lets me stay around. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's still around. I mean, so that, that's that's huge. And yeah. we know, and we know she makes questionable decisions because she went to Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, no, man. I mean, and like I said, it's still crazy that there are coaches that are going to be in that room that I ran against or I stopped them from winning a national championship that we end up winning. Like Brian Whitlock, he's at Wayland Baptist, really good friend of mine. Uh, Doug Edgar at Indiana Tech. Mm-hmm. Doug Edgar is one of the people that wrote a recommendation for me to get in. So, you know, and, and I compete against him all the time. So, you know, people think sometimes when there's a rivalry or it's like a hated, heated rivalry, and it's really not. It's all mutual respect. And, and I just really appreciate all of them because it's a lot of coaches going to listen to my speech and they're like, dude, I remember that dude. There's going to be some that like, I didn't have no clue that Southeastern coach was that guy at Shorter. <laughs> but then there's some that do know that. So, uh, no, it's just a blessing, man. And I just, you know, I'd love for as many people to be there as possible to kind of hear, you know, my story and how I got to where I am and, and the people that helped me get there. Well, man, I love how you know, the theme today has been about writing your own history, whether it's through a program, through it's you going and making sure that your first year's goal was don't get sent home. Like, let's make sure I'm doing the grades, doing the right things with coaches, et cetera. I love how you are writing your own history 
And because of the profession that you're in as a track coach, you're helping others write their history, right? So like the people, like the reason I asked about like your top three, because I know you can start thinking about the things that they did. I knew Scott Bird would, of course, be one of the, and you start thinking about the times when Scott didn't give up on you. Uh, Scott knew he had to kind of punch you in the gut to do better yeah. today, whether it was grades or on the track, right? And you just know, like, I, I am I am where I am today because of people like that, right? Yeah. And so what you're doing as a track coach, whether it's at Southeastern, Loyola, it doesn't matter if you go to another institution one day, what you're doing as a coach today is that positive influence on the athletes and they get to look back. They don't, they don't always know it in the day. They don't know it on Tuesday, <laughs> but a decade later, they look back and like, man, am I thankful Nick saw something in me, right? I, he saw something in me before I could even see it myself. And thank God when I failed that class, he didn't give up on me. You know, that, that's the, you're rewriting other people's histories at that point. And just a second ago, you said, you know, I just wanted to make my family proud. Uh, hey, you can check that off. Big Daddy. Like that, that's, that's a big check done accomplished. And you continue to yeah. do that. And along with other people, Scott athletes that you have now people that you don't even know that look at you and be like, I don't know that guy, but man, he's doing something right. Like yeah. that's the effect you have. And you're just doing a really an amazing job, man. Just uh, yeah. really just, uh, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of weird coming from a stranger here, but man, I'm proud of you, dog. I mean, that's that's so awesome, the impact that you're making personally and uh, and this huge network, uh, specifically in the sport of track and field. I appreciate it a lot. I, I am disappointed that your wife went to Jacksonville State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, old, old Troy. I'm sure she'll say the same about you, Troy Trojans. And well, then Troy right? Say again, yeah, of course, we're the Trojans, yeah. Uh, and here I'll tell you, tell, what, what's your uh, I think you said daughter, what's your daughter's name? Uh, Aspen. So, I, yeah, have three, uh, I have three daughters, I had two in a previous relationship while I was in college, and I had one with my wife. My the oldest one is Nadia, Alex is the middle, and um, Aspen is the baby. Now, the oldest one, she's an AAU All American thrower, and then my middle daughter, she's a four time national champion track. In, in AAU so Dude. they yeah so they uh track yeah, they, is your life literally like hey yeah. Aspen guess what you're gonna run track just you're gonna do something you're gonna throw you're gonna jump you're doing something days old how much she's been at practice since days old oh I thought you said she's she is days old I was like oh I yeah. know that no she's been coming since she's been days old oh. and now she's running around at practice and everything now she's got some little speed on her so well, you guys are being great leaders to them, man. That's that's amazing. I will one up your wife here and tell you how much of a better alum of Troy I am than she is of Jack State. Yeah. My son's name is Troy. Oh wow. Yeah, she didn't name her kid Jacksonville or <laughs> you know, whatever. So I win the alumni award over your wife. But she yeah. wins the award, man, by you guys' beautiful family, man. And again, just so proud of the leadership that you have on your family. You're you're taking those, you know, hard lessons learned from when you were a kid and going through college and you're applying that to not only your family, but the family that is the Southeastern Trek and Field family, man. Yeah. Just doing a great job. We appreciate it, my man. Nick, man, thank you so much, man. It's uh, hard sometimes to be here, right? To be open and honest. And uh, a lot of times I challenge people and I appreciate you letting me kind of challenge you. You know, that's what, yeah. uh, what relationships are, right? That's how we get better. Our, our two main goals here on the Guild Connections podcast are one, to uplift and honor your uh, journey in this amazing sport and specifically in this profession of coaching track and field. 
and it's to bring immense value. Like I'm so humbled of, I mean, hundreds, you'd be amazed, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people that listen to this podcast. So I'm always, we're very in tune to how do we bring value to them, right? Not just go and read your bio page. Anybody can go do that. You can go Google Southeastern Nick Dotson. It'll come right up, right? Uh, but how do we expand and bring value? And I think, uh, you know, our topics on recruiting, our topics on starting programs from scratch, things like that. I think you brought immense value to, you know, thousands of people that will listen to this man. So just uh, thank you for your authenticity and humbleness today. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. And thank you guys for being here and listening. Again, I am just so humbled uh, that you would join us every stinking week, man. It's it's amazing. Uh, it, I, I wish there were more weeks in a year because we have one coach a year. So it's 52 coaches every year. Uh, we're starting to wrap up season two here and we're back. We're going to do season three. I've already got uh, people lined up to start out here in January. We've got some amazing guests coming up as well as we end this year. Uh, and I hope you join us again, man, because it's just uh, it's a lot of fun learning about guys like Nick. Uh, people like Amy Dean that we just had on just amazing people that humble us and choose to be track coaches. They could be anything. This guy could be anything. He could be on ESPN right now. And instead he chooses to be coaching the foreign hurdles, man. I love it. I love it. So thank you for joining us today. If you receive value, I'm pretty sure someone else in your network would receive value. So, you know, insert my tagline of spreading it around with TikTok, smokes, all that kind of stuff crazy stuff I say, but please do uh, join us next week and we'll do it all over again. We're gonna have another awesome person here. Uh, they won't be from Florida. I've done three Florida people in a row, so I got to go to some other state, uh, but we'll have a lot of fun and we'll do it all over again. So join us next week. And we'll connect you again with another awesome track coach. Thanks guys.